Welcome, my friends, to this fine radio program. This is Smoking and Toasting, back for episode number 130. This show is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And we are live on Facebook. We're available on uh, all the podcast networks, pretty much anyone you can think of. And uh, we're, of course, uh, also at YouTube and on SoundCloud. So you can find us just about anywhere. Our uh, sponsor is B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And today's show, number 130, is uh, underway. We have, uh, we're very excited about our special guest uh, today. Joe uh, Joseph or Joe Breda from Old Humble Distilling is here. And uh, he's got quite a story to tell. And he's got bottles of whiskey with him. So this is you know exactly the kind of guest that we like. That's the one, right. The ones that come bearing, you know, gifts. I like to bring samples. a party with me. When <laughs> That's I <come> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, so it's been quite a week, Ian. We're now up to show number one hundred and thirty. No one stopped and, us yet. Well, see, there you go. You're inciting the uh, you're inciting the critics again. <laughs> I can't stop myself. You know, you, you you know, it's just yeah, it's it's a thing. So, uh, we're so glad you're uh, so glad you're here, uh, Joseph. We'll get to a little bit of whiskey tasting here in just a little bit, but we're opening up our uh, first segment. Got a couple of things to. Uh, let people know are coming up. One is that there's two big things going on uh, for cigar uh, cigar aficionados uh, with the FDA. Two big things that happened this week. So we'll uh, we'll get to that. We'll tell you about that. Also, Maryland, not always the most progressive state when it comes to things like this, but they've got a bill proposed that would eliminate the state tax on premium cigars. Right now, there's a tax in Maryland where if you sell cigars that came in from out of state, there's this huge state tax that they uh, rack them up. So this is one that it's actually going the right way instead of the wrong way. Yeah, that's the right direction. Yeah, exactly. So uh, a list of the top 50 craft brewers has been released. Uh, one of our local faves is on there, so we'll uh, we'll uh, go over that list for you nice. as the as the program rolls. Plus, uh, uh, Ian, you brought in a uh, a special beer for uh, today's uh, day I show, did didn't today. you? Let me get it out. Yeah, now. why don't you uh, tell you exactly uh, about it? While you're doing that, I'll tell you that in addition to Ian's special beer. Oh, now see, I was quick. That looked quick good. Drop. That looks good. What'd this you bring? Is the New Belgium uh, Wood Cellar Reserve. It's a new series that they have. This That's is a sour, single. right? Yes, it's a golden sour ale aged in single French oak, uh, F-O-E-D-E-R Felix, Fodor casks, something Mm, like that. Wow. Number 61. Do you know what that is, Joe? Uh, I know Fodor Belgium, Felix, but I don't know Fodor Felix. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fodor Felix sounds interesting. Uh, so that's one we'll be tasting. Also, Ian, I brought what will either be, I think, a runaway hit or the strangest beer we've ever tasted on the show. <laughs> we've had some weird ones. Yes, we have. Uh, Dorchester Brewing and Decadent Ales. We've had uh, beers from both of mm-hmm. them before. So this um, is a collab. This is a strawberry frosted pastry IPA made with strawberries and spices. The idea is that it gives you that flavor that you get from a toaster pastry, like a Pop-Tart. Okay. And so we'll see. That's either going to work or it's not. I'm just I'm just telling you right now. We, I think we're either going to go, that's amazing, or, oh, not so much. You know the what I mean? Pop-Tarts are fine if you cut right. off that annoyingly dry edge all the way around. Yes, know? the part that doesn't have the frosting. <laughs> I know. Why do they include the that part? part? You've got you to go ahead and eat that part. You've got to nibble that part off get all the way it. around first yeah. just to get through it so you can enjoy the rest of it. Because you don't want your last bite to be that dry part. Also from uh, Purcellville, Washington, an Adroit Theory Brewing Company. Um, I brought us a Tenebris barley wine today. 
All right. I, you so, know, I know you're going to be excited. I'm all about you're, that. You're a barley wine guy. And, of course, Joe's here with uh, some whiskey from Old Humble Distilling. We will get to that as the program uh, goes through. But, Ian, before we, before we go any further, I understand you may have something you wish to show us. Oh, I had a good time this week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm on spring break schedule right now. So this week is my. So like break. your students that you teach guitar. Yeah, to my and students stuff that teach guitar too are all yeah. out on spring break. So I took spring break off. So, right. um, so Monday I drove out to Austin, and I have a friend of mine that lives out there, Sam, and I stayed at his house. And then Tuesday morning we woke up and we drove about an hour and ooh, hour and twenty minutes northwest of Austin to a place called Spider Mountain. Spider Man, that sound awesome. That does, that just sounds good, right? Yeah. They just opened this up. It's the first one in Texas. Now they they have these in other places, but this is a lift park. Uh-huh. And what this means is, you drive up and you pay money, and then you and your mountain bike get on a ski lift, and they take you to the top of the mountain. So it's it's kind of like going skiing, off. except when you get up yes. there, there's no snow, of course, and you're there with your mountain bike. That's right, and you don't have to pay the climbing on your mountain bike gods. Just to get the, the fun ride down. Wow, now that is what I'm talking about. Yeah. So we did a whole bunch of those. I think uh, we have some pictures of me with the ski lift there, uh, a selfie with the ski lift, and then a picture of me on top of the mountain. You can see the background. It's beautiful out yeah. there. There's a big lake in the background mm-hmm. and everything like that. It's really, really nice. There it is. Look how orange my uh, mountain bike is. That's probably a little late since there's a lag on these. But anyway, I had a blast doing that. And uh, that does tie into the beer that I brought because uh, we happened uh, at the end of that day we happened to run by a Specs, and um, and I found uh, this particular found beer. The beer. Yeah, that looks great. Thought looks hmm, great. That sounds good for the show. Do you have something to show us though? To show us? Yes. Not that I know of. Well, you know, I don't spend a lot of time on the book of faces, but I did notice this week that you maybe had acquired something new. Oh, I know what you're talking about. That yeah. was yes. That okay. That was Saturday. Was that old? That was, that's like last week. Come well, on. yeah, but it's since <laughs> the, it's yes, since it's gotta, since the last show. I got and and okay, so yeah, we'll have to focus in on that. My new tattoo. All right, so there you go. Now, uh, explain it. Oh, so the the skull is what we use in uh, in CCSD is the Connoisseurs Club of Smoking and Drinking, and the skull is called Buck Sirius. It's our mascot. And you've been a member of that for quite a while, right? Over 10 years now. Yeah, Over yeah. 10 years. And so I decided to go ahead and get that tattooed by one of our members named uh, named Catfish. He has a... a <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, I don't have a lot of rules in life. I can't make this up. <laughs> I don't have a lot of rules in life, but one of them is be very, very careful about getting a tattoo from a man named Catfish. Catfish Th- is an just, amazing artist. Oh, okay. Uh, and he probably uh, be more he opened, careful of people named Esteban. Yeah, you know, you're probably right. <laughs> or guys. Well, he, that opened go, up, he opened up a uh, a tattoo shop up on uh, uh, Durham, okay, like the Shepherd Durham area, mm-hmm. um, of north Houston. of I-10 yeah. in Houston, and it's called Flying Squid Tattoos, and it is, and he's an artist uh, around I like Houston. The name. Yeah, he's he's actual incredible. And, absolutely incredible artist and so i thought for this one i'm definitely going to him to get this and uh and he goes well how do you want it to look i said you're the artist you draw it <laughs> and then at the end of it he goes do you want a cigar on there and i said yes yes <laughs> <laughs> see that's what i loved about it when i saw it because i've actually seen your logo before right but i hadn't seen the cigar and then i'm like that's awesome right that yeah. was pretty fun yeah, yeah. I totally sorry i was i was uh totally spacing on that one. i see i thought you'd be like you know, bursting at the seams to show us the new. The new uh, <laughs> I've just been walking tattoo, around with you know? one sleeve up. It, yeah, it's kind of, because most people are like that when they get a new tattoo. Like they can't wait to show it. It's it's almost like 
like whenever a woman gets breast augmentation, it's it's almost like they're not. They want to show them off. It's almost like they're not like a a, a private thing anymore. They're just they're just like look. And I'm like you know well depending on the situation. Yeah. No 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 yes please. Yeah exactly. <laughs> if I must, <laughs> you know I'll do what I have to. I'm a friend. Uh, so yeah so it sounds like an interesting week. Tattoo, uh, mountain biking from uh, from the lift park. And, yeah, sounds uh, a blast. I'm assuming that somewhere in there you probably sandwiched in time to smoke something interesting. I did this morning. I did my normal. Oh, okay. I went up to Casa de Monte Cristo. And uh, I found myself a tatuaje that I mm. hadn't had before. Let me pull that up so I have all my notes and everything. Uh, big shout to our buddy Tom Poehler, who uh, represents tatuaje. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, it's a tatuaje uh, cajonu, I think is how you would pronounce it. C-O-J-O-N-U. It's like cajon, like the drum, but with a mm-hmm. U on the end, cajon. Mm-hmm. I assume that's Cajones. how it's called. Uh, cajonu 2000. <laughs> Is that that's, a diff- that's, that's different. A di- that's a different thing. Don't okay. beat on those. Those okay. are bad. Uh, <laughs> um, this is so. This was a Kahonu 2006. This was a torpedo five and a half by uh, 52. The uh, appearance on this dark chocolate, firm, some veins. Uh, had a very you know the classic tatuaje band, which by the way is so classic and understated, and it's but so it looks, thin yeah, and it looks cool. Yeah, great. I know. It? I totally agree. And then it had a secondary band that was gold and black. Said Kahonu. Uh, uh, 2006 on it. The pre-light sniff on this, rich earth chocolate and light pepper is what I was nice. getting right off the bat. The pre-light draw, I used a clip because it was a torpedo. It's hard to punch torpedoes, mm-hmm. um, which is my usual go-to. Uh, it had a very light draw to it. Uh, I got a lot of leather and earth malt powder from it. Like, not necessarily chocolatey, but malty. Oh, interesting. Was, it was yeah. an interesting cigar like that because the malt went all the way through this cigar. Um like malt beans. powder, light pepper and spice, maybe a little cinnamony kind of spice to it. Mm-hmm. It was it was nice. It was a uh, This like, is all before you lit. This is before I lit it. The initial light was very oh. pepper right up front, leather, spice, a little malt, medium smoke volume. It was nice. It wasn't a big harsh light, but it was a big peppery light. Um uh, this is a medium cigar overall. I think I forgot to write that in my notes, but about a medium is what I judge it overall, like right in the center of medium. Mm-hmm. The first third of this was smooth, absolutely smooth, like the big Nice silky smoke, mm-hmm. malty sweetness, cedar, leather, tanginess to it, uh, big smoke volume. Had a bizarre ash to it. There should be a picture of that coming up. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> the actually, ash is a little weird. It's like it, it, it's a straight burn, but like it almost the ash almost looks like yeah. a puppet face. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> like smoke. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it it uh, it burned great. Uh, it made great smoke rings. You know, when I get a nice big smoky cigar, yeah, so I can't you're good at stop that. myself from yeah. making smoke rings. Um, the second third of this, more smooth. I mean, it had now the cedar flavors came more to the front. The malty sweetness was right behind it. Leather tang had a little cashew nutty kind of flavor. Cashews are a little sweet too, so it had a little bit of that kind of flavor. Solid ash, good burn. The third third on this cigar, pepper. Uh, the pepper gently returned, like it just came back a little at a time mm-hmm. as the last uh, part of the cigar was going. Um, Lots of cedar, malty and cashew sweetness were still there. Spice returned a little more. The spice went back after the initial light and came back at the very end of this, which made it kind of more of a ride because it kept developing a little bit. It was a mm-hmm. nice, complex uh, smoke. Tatuais generally are pretty complex. Yeah, and it had the same flavor profiles that kept showing up, but they kept kind of kind of going in and out, kind of weaving right. in and out of each other so that the cigar was never the same. And made it very interesting. Yeah, it made yeah. it very fun, actually. Um, the solid ash, perfect burn. 
uh, I paid twelve dollars and sixty cents for this cigar. Okay, it was worth every penny and then some. So I gave that, it a six point five. Wow, that's see that. One of the things people have to understand is that when a cigar is ten bucks or more, and it yeah. gets something above a five. Yeah, uh, no, I mean that's that's a big deal because and Joe, the way our price to quality um, scale works that we use to talk about the cigars is that if if you give something a five, it means you feel like you got exactly what you paid for. So you bought a a ten dollar cigar, smoke was worth every bit of the ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a five. If it could have been a twelve dollar cigar, and you'd have still been, ju- you know, still been happy with what you were smoking at that price. Then it gets a little bit higher. Yeah. And if it's below a five, it means yeah, it didn't live up to its to its cost. Right. Um, but makes sense. Y- you say a six and a half. That's six a, and a half. A really this is a good great I'm actually like very much considering the price of a box of those. I think that <laughs> you and I have swapped personalities in the past month. Because you've been giving everything like really high ratings that you've been smoking, like really. I've smoking been really lucky. Great apparently. stuff, and and then and then I've been like uh, trashing everything. I'm so I interested what? to hear what you're going to talk about today. Well, so interesting. okay. So last week, uh, a very interesting thing happened on the show that had never happened before. There have been times that Ian and I have uh, gone out and done the show, Joe, where we've been on location someplace, and so we're smoking during the show, and we'll smoke the same cigar and and talk about. It. I think one one other time. We agreed to smoke the same cigar during a week and, and do it. But ordinarily, he picks out whatever he wants to smoke, and I'll pick mm-hmm. out something that I've smoked and talked about it. Last week, by sheer coincidence, we both arrived having smoked the same cigar. In fact, both of us bought the cigar. Out at, of the same box. Yeah, out of what we're pretty sure was even the same box in uh, at Casa de Monte Cristo, which is not far from the studio here. Probably that or Stogie's would be our closest uh, cigar shop to where we are. So... What was really interesting is that Ian loved it. Was his? It was an Avo Thirty uh, Maduro. I gave it a I gave it a rating of eight on the price. Of and quality. that's I, I, it was that maybe the highest rating you've ever given, except for the Black and Mild that one time. I think I've given one other cigar. One, an eight, okay, but um, but yeah, absolutely, it was an amazing. You were cigar. blown I just away. Enjoyed it like I, tremendously. I gave mine a two point five, one of the lowest. Ratings I've ever and given a we cigar. We had the same cigar with completely different experiences. Right. And, and it was legit. It wasn't just that his palate was different than mine. Like, his cigar really blew him away. Mine, I struggled with. It was plugged. It was uh, right. and, really badly. And the pictures, uh, the pictures, like, if you look at mine, it's perfect. It yeah. burned perfect. It's smooth. smoked perfect. And, and, yeah, All the beautiful. pictures throughout yeah. the burn, everything are perfect. Yours? Look, it had a big gash in the side <laughs> at the beginning, just an unevenness in the leaf there, and then it. Uh, and, but the worst thing is, it was it was just a, it was either plugged or it was very close to plugged. So you're struggling with the cigar the whole time, trying to get some yeah. kind of draw that'll let you know what the flavor is, and and it, it just wound up being a bad situation. And it was an eleven dollar cigar, yeah. so that's why. You go, had it been a cheaper cigar, it wouldn't have had that bad of a rating. But at eleven bucks. I'm expecting Well, that. and then before I left the store, I was so stoked about this cigar, I bought one more to bring to you. Right. I was like, you've got to try you've this. You've got to try this, yeah. <laughs> and so when this discussion happened on last week's show, we actually unwrapped that from the cellophane. And looking at it, it wasn't nearly as as, as pretty, pretty and, and smooth as, as the one was. that Ian had remembered, but wasn't nearly as bad as the one... That I that I had smoked. It was just kind of a rough, rugged exterior. So Ian, I'd said in my review that I'd like to smoke another one just to see if it was a, a you know, an aberration, a bad one in the box or whatever. But that eleven that at eleven dollars, I probably wouldn't wind up doing that. Well, thanks to Ian's generosity, I had another one to smoke, and that's what I smoked this week. So this is my thoughts on the Avo Thirty Maduro 
take two. All right. Um, so it wasn't, as I said, as rugged looking in appearance as my first one, but it was still a bit rustic. The pictures will will show that. The pre-light on this had subtle tobacco flavors, a little bit of straw. Um, and then once I got it lit, uh, it it gave off a little of that vegetal aroma that I was talking about last week. Mm-hmm. It's it's not necessarily a bad flavoring. It's not it's not something I look for, but it's not it's not something where you go ugh. Uh, uh, but I do kind of associate it in my brain with cheaper cigars, like like the ones you get for the bundle uh, in the mail order catalogs, and they wind up being you know a dollar sixty a cigar, right? Seconds you, or whatever. Yeah, right. Exactly. So. Um, so it had a little bit of that. The good news, though, is that unlike the last one, this one was not plugged. So I got plenty of smoke. I was able to draw through the cigar so I could try to concentrate on the flavors that it was giving me. The bad news is almost immediately it began to canoe. Oh, no. Like right off the bat. And the pictures will show that, uh, uh, too. I was able to, um, you know, continue smoking it. It wasn't a disaster. But from the beginning, again, it smoked like a much cheaper cigar, huh. not like an $11 cigar. Um, the uneven burn didn't get worse, but it also didn't correct itself. So I finally tended it a little bit with my lighter, got it burning better, but it still stayed crooked for the first half of the cigar. I was able to get some flavor, but not a lot of complexity. There was uh, kind of a light sense of black pepper on the tongue. Once that vegetal taste kind of faded, and it did, um, it was reasonably pleasant, but not at all complex. It was kind of one-dimensional, quite frankly. Now, did you eat rotten salad before you <laughs> smoked these cigars? I mean, well, you know, sometimes well, what lettuce I'll do, is a little bit brown, but I ate it anyway. You know, sometimes what I'll do after I after I have something like this, where I'm not getting much, yeah. is after I finish that cigar, I'll go to my humidor and pull out something that I have smoked many times. That you know the profile. That I know what the profile right. is like. And I'll light that up and see, is, is it me? Like, did I eat something that's totally affecting my palate or, or, or whatever? Or, you know, do I get, am I off with something that I know what to expect on? Uh, so I did that with this, and so my palate didn't appear to be off or, or you know, messed with in any way by, by something I had eaten. It was only when I got to the last third of this cigar did I, that I got any deepening of the flavor. It was mostly pepper, but I do like pepper. Uh, and there was a bit of earth to the palate. Bottom line, it was still a huge disappointment. You know, you, yeah, you've scared me off of it. I gave it such a yeah. huge, ra- huge rating. My uh, my um, my experience was so good, but I, I may, I'm wondering if, if two out of three, maybe well, I got the lucky one. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a disaster like the first one. I mean, the first one was like you know that the first one it was the kind of cigar that if that was the first avo I'd ever smoked, I might not ever try. Right, right. You know what I mean? Um, although I've had some well, wonderful cigars. Well, it's crazy avo because avos are generally like you don't even you think, think about the construction right. quality on an avo. But this one, even though it wasn't a disaster like the last one, I've smoked. This was an eleven dollar cigar. I've smoked much better five dollar cigars. Hell, I've smoked better three dollar cigars. That's a tough one. And that's a tough one, right? Uh, price to quality, a four. Okay. Uh, if you average that with the one I smoked last week, uh, <laughs> at the score of 3.25, <laughs> even if you average in Ian's eight, and by the way, I just want you to know, I used a calculator for this cause I'm not that good at math, <laughs> uh, but I made myself notes. Uh, but even if you average in Ian's eight, that's still only a 4.8 and somehow that seems too high. Agreed. Uh, maybe I should have given last week a one and this week a three. Maybe that would be more, 
Yeah, but one just seems like, wow, you're really dogging a cigar. So, so what, you're, what you're saying is Avo owes us $22. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, look, <laughs> uh, I, I know what you're saying, but I, and I also understand that sometimes – you know, the cigar rolling is an art, not yeah. a science, you know? I mean, there's a lot of science that goes into growing the tobacco and curing it. But at the end of the day, that roller, what the roller does when he blends and puts the cigar together, I mean, there, there's a lot of art to it. And so I understand that sometimes you're going to get a bad one. You hate when that happens on an $11 cigar. You'd much mm. rather that happen on a $5 cigar, you know? Naturally. But you hate you hate when that happens on an $11 cigar. But, um, yeah, it just it makes me skittish. I, I can tell you this. I won't be buying another Avo 30. Right. Uh, I, I may buy other things from their line because I've had better results with other things from their line. But I won't be buying another one of those. Now, you watch. We'll have to revisit this at the end of the year. <laughs> I guarantee you the 30 is going to make all these <laughs> top 25 make best of lists. At the end of it. Um, let me ask you a, a question, uh, Joe, and we'll get into the whiskey in the next segment. Sure. But we think of this with cigars, that sometimes you get a bad apple, right? And and you, you go, well, you know, it's it's an inexact science, and, and so you go. But that doesn't apply in your business, does it? Like, it, you, it depends on where you're getting your whiskey from. You, but you don't get the luxury of having a bad bottle with the consumer, right? If I, if I buy a bottle of this and take it home and I don't like it, chances are I'm never going to come back and try this again, right? Whereas with a cigar, we have a tendency to give more leeway. Would you, do you think that's true? There's a balance. I find this so fascinating because I've sat around the table with a lot of whiskey and a lot of people, uh, and we do the same thing. We mm-hmm. can have four people come with four different opinions of the exact same of the exact same thing. Sure, from. yeah, uh, and it and it could be what they had earlier that day, or the mood they're in, or the price of the drink itself. Because we do the same thing when we do our tastings and samplings. We'll do a comparison of. Uh, I'll put down a list. I won't tell them what it is, mm-hmm. but I'll put down a list of the prices, and they'll put the bottles next to the price or the drinks next to the price. So they put what they think what it would be, what they'd be willing to pay. That's very similar to that. Yeah. They they put what they're willing to pay. And if you pay $85 Mm -hmm. for a really good $30 bottle of whiskey, you're never coming back to that bottle. I I see what you're saying. Because you just paid almost three times more than you should have. Exactly. And it did not live up to expectation. Whereas... Now, if you pay $25 for a bottle that's, you know, $25, uh, you might come back to it. Depends on the situation. Uh, if you buy a bottle of just garbage water, mm-hmm. you're not coming back to that garbage water. Right. It's right. it's just not going to happen. But, but I think. It, too, but if you that, get the value, then you know you might come back. I think. So it, I think there's more leeway on cigars because even with a box of cigars, which is twenty cigars, right, you can have a bad cigar too. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the spirit world. You're not going to have one bottle good, one bottle bad. You would have a bad batch, mm-hmm. if anything. Right, right, right. And I and I feel like that would most of the time be called out, you know, before it was bottled. Usually, unless something happened in the bottling, it can know. happen that way too. Right. Like with your mass producers, they're going to have consistent quality from January through December. Yeah. With your smaller batch craft distillers, you can have different. I mean, you can buy one bottle in January and one bottle in February, and they both came out of a different batch. Right. right. They because should the, be similar. Because the production is so much slower. Right? right. They should be similar from bottle to bottle, 
but they're going to be different. But that's like buying the same wood carving from a guy. If it's handmade, it's handmade, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there will be differences between mine and yours, mm-hmm. but they should have a consistency to them. That's, right. Yeah. They should be familiar. So that's not necessarily the same like, notes. Yeah, that's, that's not necessarily like a bad batch or a bad bottle. It might have some differences, right. but not in a bad way. Well, if you think about it you know, with, uh, with instruments, Certain musicians, you think about Willie Nelson's thing. guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got this old beat up guitar. Trigger. Uh, but <laughs> yet that creates, for whatever reason, he's stuck with that because it created the sound. I mean, he could buy whatever guitar he wants to buy. He's stuck with that because it creates the particular mm-hmm. tone and sound that he wants and that he's comfortable with. And I think, you know, in, in some cases, hand rolled cigars are, are like that. But I just, I, I feel like in the in the beverage industry, you're maybe held to a little tougher standard. It's a little bit. It's a little bit higher. Uh, higher risk reward there. Yeah. Because instead of a ten dollar now, if you're going to a bar, ten dollar shot versus a ten dollar right. or a, a thirty or forty dollar bottle of whiskey, mm-hmm. that's different. Right. You might risk a couple of drink. I, I kind of think that uh, you might uh, try it again. Getting a drink yeah. at a bar is a little bit lower risk than mm-hmm. buying the whole bottle. Right. Right. Or, or getting a friend to buy you a drink at the bar right. is even lower risk. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to go to the bar with Ian. You but, know? <laughs> but these are very much like a a live performance. Right. You can go see the same band again and again and again, and it, the second time you see it, it's not going to be the same as the first time you saw it. But just because you know what to expect doesn't mean it's been ruined. Right. Because it's the you, you want to hear that story again. You want to hear the music again. You want to hear the same jokes again. You want to hear all the stuff that you get in the same live performance and it's the same way with a good craft whiskey that's you really should a- have the same similar familiar feel taste uh, uh emotion coming out of that bottle every time you drink it but every time it's going to be a little bit different if it's coming from a different batch right. the same way that you you know you listen to a live performance of of, of Mozart yeah. or, yeah. Or, right. or the it's, Rolling it's Stones or whatever. It's going to be a little every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went and saw Iron Maiden years yeah. ago, and all my friends I went and saw complained the entire time. They didn't play any of the old stuff till like the very end they played a couple songs. I was like, well, I've, I've got all those records. I want to hear new stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. I think there's a difference in perception and what you expect yeah. time after time again, because I've seen them yeah. before, and they played all the old stuff, and that's mm-hmm. fun. Do you remember the pop star uh, Ashley Simpson? She was Jessica Simpson's yes. sister. The, uh, the one with the funny yeah, little yeah. dance because she was in, embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. interestingly the enough. <laughs> interestingly <laughs> enough, yeah, her performances, they're exactly the same every time. Exactly. <laughs> right. Go figure. Yeah. I don't know how That's that happens. It's a consistency of uh, art <laughs> that is hard to, hard to re- repeat. Hard to reproduce, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Or sometimes, sometimes performances can be so bad you can't tell if it's consistent or not, but it just doesn't matter. Uh, uh, Cardi B, I'm looking at you. Uh, let's take a break <laughs> and uh, uh, we'll come back with the next segment. I want to get into doing a little bit of uh, tasting here and I want you to tell me, me a little bit about uh, Old Humble Distilling, how you guys got started, where the whole idea came from and and then uh, as we do some of this tastings, uh, uh, I think we have some questions about what it's, what it's like to be in what is now becoming a much more crowded field, which is mm-hmm. the world of craft uh, craft distilling and craft whiskey in particular. So, uh, so we'll be right back. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting. Thanks for joining us on uh, Facebook Live, and uh, thanks for listening to the show. Awesome. I find that discussion to be so fascinating. <laughs> when we do our tasting notes, we don't. We have a rule at the table. Wow. 
Welcome back, my friends. It's Smoking and Toasting. Show number 130. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in uh, Fort Worth. I'm going to be uh, up in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area in a couple of months. I'm definitely going to uh, swing by and, and see see how the see how the bacon consistency is. We are talking about right. consistency in the last segment. Uh, see if the bacon is as good. Have you ever in, had in the Fort bacon Worth. at that place? I oh, have not had the bacon at that place. It's unbelievable. Oh. It's it's they have it as an appetizer. It's life changing. It's, yeah, mm. it's life changing. Uh, uh, mm. Joseph uh, Breda, you prefer Joe, right? Joe, Joe. All right. Uh, Joe is on the show with us today. Joe is the guy that started Old Dumble Distilling Company. And uh, Joe, I enjoyed reading a little bit about your uh, your company on the internet. Uh, <laughs> basically, you decided that for the sake of humanity, it says. You were going to go around the world to try to find the perfect whiskey. It's the least I could do. How did that go? <laughs> <laughs> well, it went eh, moderately okay. Yeah, uh, it went it well was enough. At least that an enjoyable journey. It right? went well enough that I decided I needed to come home and make bourbon. Okay, so yeah. that's that's interesting. So, th- is that really how it happened? I mean, did you decide while you were while you were out there, you know, touring around, going, you know, this is what I want to do? Kind of. Yeah. Uh, because uh, me and my buddy Dan were homebrewers in college, mm-hmm. and as college goes on, we homebrew in college because it's legal to it, buy water, hops, and grains. And it's what you do in college, right? Right, right. <laughs> we were 19, and we, we couldn't buy beer. Right. So we made beer. Uh, and then as it progresses and I graduate from college, I can't drink all the beer that I'm making, so I get into winemaking and go into wine tastings mm-hmm. uh, and kind of exploring the world of wine and the world of wine tastings. And Dan is continuing to make beer and do what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I got this idea. I was riding MS-150s and doing fundraisers, uh, trying to raise funds for MS-150 rides. And I got this idea to do uh, whiskey tasting as a fundraiser instead of a wine tasting. You know, everybody pitches in right. cash. We go out and buy some bottles. And that's when I discovered my love for whiskey. Hmm, it was uh, uh, a fascinating expression of the drink uh, where you can put four whiskeys side by side assuming they were all made at different distilleries mm-hmm. and you get four different expressions of the same grains in right four because different bottles the ingredients are essentially the essentially same essentially the same mm-hmm. you get right. 60% of your flavor from the barrel right yes yeah. 60% of your flavor i don't Roughly. know if i yeah, well i don't know if i'd actually, actually heard that articulated before it makes sense though and if most if all the barrels are <laughs> new white american charred oak barrels well, then 60% of the flavor in all your whiskeys is pretty much the same. So if you're going to distill your own whiskey, the thing that's going to differentiate you the most is going to be the barrels. The thing that's going to make you taste most like everybody else is going to be the barrels. Okay. The thing that's going to okay. differ because it's going to be the same barrel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, everybody right. gets white, American white oak American Because that's what barrels. they sell right. here in America. Right. Unless you're using used barrels. Mm-hmm. Which is a different thing entirely, right? And we're seeing the, by rest, the way, there's a lot of use for used barrels, oh, not yeah. just from the uh, whiskey industry. Either. Tremendously, yeah. yeah. Uh, the rest of it is uh, the technique, the style of still, the grains used, the water used, uh, where you make the cuts between the heads and the hearts and the hearts and the tails. All that's you know that's the technique and the craftsmanship that goes into it, and making sure that what goes into the barrel Explain is explain the good heads and the hearts and with. the hearts and the tails. It's the different types of alcohol. Because uh, you got your ethyl, it's the good stuff that goes mm-hmm. in the bottle. And then the the heads and the tails are the the methyl and uh, I can't remember the other one. We we cut it off, and, okay. and that's the the good stuff 
is distilled within that temperature range. Gotcha. And you want to keep that because the other stuff makes you go blind. It doesn't make you a better I dancer. It makes blind. your jokes worse. Um, so they use that for Everclear. <laughs> it's what you're saying, right? <laughs> no, they don't use that for Everclear. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they use that. We use it for cleaning solutions. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah. and, and, and throwing out. Yeah. So, so <laughs> it's what Kitty Dukakis and George Jones were after when they were, uh, mm-hmm. uh, when they were denied the, uh, uh, the better stuff, right? There you go. Yeah. It doesn't take much to, to, for that to get into your alcohol to ruin it. To it ruin doesn't it. take much sense. at all. Yeah. You can taste it and it just – Because it's not a uh, – yeah. yeah. So, so when you're talking about differentiating your flavors mm-hmm. from others that are out there, what, what are the things that you're looking to adjust or refine or perfect that are going to make it different and, and guide you towards what you want? Is it the amount of the ingredients? Is it the amount of time in the oak? What are the things that, that affect it actually the most when it comes to working towards what your goal is? It's a little bit of all that. Okay. You know, just picture a wall with a bunch of levers, and you're just kind of pulling the levers and adjusting it. Uh, the mad scientists. Sort of I'm <laughs> looking. Yeah. I mean, most of the, you know, most of the ingredients, the science is the same. Uh, you, you take your starches, you convert them to sugars. The sugars get converted to alcohol by the yeast, and you make whiskey. I'm looking more for a feel at the end of the drink. You shouldn't have to fight your way to the bottom of a glass. If you're okay. fighting your way to the bottom of a glass, you are not drinking the right alcohol for you that that's really well said and i know what you're talking about because mm-hmm. there are some things that you drink i don't know malort comes to mind uh where where you're like okay I, let me just get there like but then mm-hmm. there's other things where you're really enjoying the entirety of the process right you know All right same uh, with it same with a cigar yeah if you have to fight your way to the end of the cigar you it's not it. worth it yeah yeah switch They have ashtrays to solve that problem. They have drains at the bottom of a sink to solve a problem for bad whiskey. I'd rather switch than fight. Life is too Uh, short for that. Uh, So so when you are in the planning stages of uh, of a distillation, um, are there are there things that you know from a just from a math and science point of view? that guide you towards the flavor um, that you're looking for? Or, or let me ask it a different way. How much of it is advanced planning and how much of it is trial and error where you try and adjust, try and adjust, try and adjust? Most of the process for me mm-hmm. is a discovery process, not a creation process. Okay. Uh, the whiskey's there. It's the flavors in the grains, the flavors in the barrel, the flavors in the way they all come together and the climate, the atmosphere. Most of it. I'm as fascinated to find out what's coming out of that barrel as anybody else. That's so interesting. Uh, (laughs) Now, the math and science part goes into the beginning to try to figure out uh, what our capacity is going to be, where where we place the stills, uh, how much corn do we need to buy, how much money does that take to buy the corn, how many barrels, you know, space to hold the barrels, all that stuff. That goes into the business plan that that, uh, me and my buddy laid out before we, uh, you know, when we were in the planning process, Mm -hmm. uh, when we started this all out. But, yeah, when it comes to what's coming out at the end of the – I mean, you, you have an idea when it comes off the still what it's going to taste like. But, right. but it when it comes out yet. of the barrel, yeah. it has its own character and its own quality. Mm. Each barrel is going to have uh, familiar notes you know, from the period before. Uh, you're, you're doing variations of the same theme, but every barrel is going to have its own little character and its own little characteristics. How many barrels do you produce a year? Uh, goodness, of our bourbon, 
we have been in a mode the last couple of years of producing our, our straight whiskey and our special reserve for our special reserve now we use five gallon barrels and not 50 gallon barrels mm -hmm. so our special reserve we age it on site uh, uh, and and do the processing on site for our special reserve and what we produce matches what we sell okay. so what we can produce and what we do produce are mm -hmm. two different numbers I see so we can produce you know uh, of our five gallon barrels we could produce 1800 bottles a month I have to do the math to figure out where that goes right. uh, but we don't because we can't sell that many right now right. our market's not that it's big. A, it's about what the demand gotcha. is and where right, your market right. share is so sure that makes sense and and, and you, we're, we're growing fast yeah we're growing fast enough to where we're looking now to get out of the space we're in and into a larger space where we and you said you started this room. when we started back in 2012 in 2012 and i bought so out my is, partners in 2015. so this is very new if yeah, you think about it particularly new. as it pertains to a product that has to be aged mm -hmm. right yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. this is very new and so our bourbons we age for six to nine months which means our next batch of bourbon that I currently am producing, I'll, I'll have my stills running this weekend. Uh, that'll be ready between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. So be that that period is your bourbon your best selling uh, spirit? It's our lowest volume because it's I make volume. the least amount. In oh, I see. so so that does impact it, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean it sells as fast as we make it, right? But uh, you know we've got to we've got to turn around higher volumes than right. than than what it takes to make the bourbon. Mm -hmm. Well, let's do some tasting. What are we going to taste first? Uh, you know what? Before we taste. Yes. Oh. There. We need uh, proper vessels to drink it he, out of. He brought a gift for you. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, this is so interesting. <laughs> now, you got you to make sure you show the camera this way. All right. And I don't know. Maybe maybe you should show the camera. Well, I'll show you, the camera. The you've, got a, you've got a better angle than I do. But uh, um, all right. So this looks like a, a keychain of some sort. It is got uh, a little keychain on it. Mm-hmm. And then and you pull it so apart. Do you, do you pull it apart? Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Oh, dude. And then How as cool you pull that? it apart, it's and a collapsible. Kinda, and you just kind of twist it to uh, lock it open. Mm -hmm. Shot glass. Wow, that's terrific. I'm liking it. That's amazing, isn't what it? What a great. And it's got your logo, the Old Dumble uh, Distilling Company, on the on the top. Yep. That's awesome. Well, you know, we've got uh, those available at the distillery for people who come to tours on Saturdays. Ah, uh, uh, tours are on Saturdays. And two. 12 and 2. 12 and 2. Go to the website, uh, oldumbledistilling.com, to make your reservation. And you are in uh, <laughs> basically the uh, the old Humble part of Humble. Is right. That right. Yeah. Right. We are so, right on uh, Southeastern Avenue, Northeastern Avenue, depending on where you're at on the street, uh, right across from the skating rink. So if you know anything about Humble, we're across the street from the skating rink. Right. And easy enough to find, we can get the If you drive up 59, address. it's not far. Yeah, we can and get if the you address off the website. Don't so. know anything about Humble, we're right across from the skating rink. Just stop yeah. and ask. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let's put these babies to use. What are we uh, what are we tasting right, first? So we're going to start with our straight whiskey. Okay. And was this the first which what was your first Our first product whiskey was our Boomtown Bourbon. Boomtown Bourbon, okay. And uh, that is in very scarce supply right now. Well, I was going to say the bourbon didn't didn't have to age as long probably as mm -hmm. this, so you were able to. Uh, well, get it's it out in very scarce first, supply right? uh, because we we make every bit of our bourbon on site. Mm -hmm. uh, this our straight whiskey we made the first two batches on site. Then I outsource the rest of it so that we can okay. get the volumes we need to pay the rent. Sure, I understand that completely. And um, this our straight whiskey. Mm -hmm. There. <laughs> 
Our straight whiskey is made from 100% corn, and it is aged five years in used bourbon barrels, which is why it has a lighter color, uh, mm-hmm. a lighter color to the whiskey. And um, is uh, that because the barrels are used? Because they're used. So yeah. more of the oak charring. Or less of it is still there right. when when these it's like scraping grow. the uh, burn stuff off of uh, your garlic toast. It's incredibly smooth. It's uh, very smooth. I find that uh, a lot of times the uh, I hate to use this phrase, but the basic whiskey in a product line is generally not as smooth. Uh, and in this case, this is this, this is, is a lot of cinnamon. Smooth. It really does. In fact, it and vanilla. The the profile on it reminds me, to be really honest with you, of some much more expensive whiskeys. You know, um, uh, thirty dollars for a bottle. Yeah, so it, well, twenty five at specs, I believe. I would put I would put this up to um, things that could cost even up to to double that, just de- depending. I mean, in terms of what the flavor profile is, and it's very smooth. So a lot of it depends on what you like. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. like um, a lot of people like to have that to have that burn as it as it rolls down the throat. And this is less of that, although it's it's certainly got some heat, but it's. Mm-hmm. It's just so smooth. Yeah, it lets you know it's whiskey, but the heat actually kind of rolls off the back, mm-hmm. and uh, and then comes back. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those sneaky heats that comes right back at you. Well, you're right. It it has a return, and and as it's coming back, right in the center of the tongue, you get the cinnamon. Uh-huh. Yeah, right in the little cradle of your tongue there. It's also That's ninety really proof. Nice. It is 90 proof. Yeah. Interesting. So, so it packs a little bit of punch. Yeah, that would explain the it, It's really interesting how that how it and it's got that minerality in the uh, aftertaste too that I really mm-hmm. enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the Now, two things that I find that I personally find important in my whiskey. One that it you don't have to fight your way to the bottom of it. It's nice and the smoothness was important to me. Uh, and with a, a a simple grain bill like 100% corn when we did our first batches, we aged it in our old bourbon barrels. Uh, in order to give it that lighter color and lighter flavor mm-hmm. so that it didn't have that heavy bourbony bite to it. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a straight whiskey and not a bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when people get one of these bottles and they're looking for a bourbon, it is definitely not a bourbon. It, it has is, a very light mouthfeel to it as yes, well. Yes, it does. Yeah, and that we do that on purpose too. What um, I like though is that the little cinnamon um, – uh, I'll call it a cinnamon burn. It's not a burn, but you know that just sort cinnamon of like heat. cinnamon heat. It just remains on your tongue a good while mm-hmm. after you know you've already swallowed. You've had the you, you've had the heat come back, and then that cinnamonness just sits there. It's such a pleasant thing. I could, I think of this as something that would be awesome, like at the end of a meal as you're having dessert mm-hmm. and you're having something with this. And you got that little cinnamon flavor working on your tongue. So nice. Funny you should mention that. Yeah. One of our signature cocktails is called the Apple Blossom. That makes it sense. It is apple juice, cinnamon, and our delicious whiskey. Wow. And just those three ingredients. Just it. But one part whiskey, two parts apple juice, and a, just a dash of cinnamon. And we serve that during our tour. Nice. Well, I bet one that's of, awesome. One of the yeah. signature drinks that <laughs> nice. we serve during the tour, yeah. I, I like that. Um, when. You say you you started in you said two thousand and, yeah. and we, uh, we started in two thousand twelve two thousand and twelve so uh, you've been on the scene for a little while not too long what what's your take on how crowded the craft whiskey um, uh, area has become I mean for a consumer I'll tell you it's wonderful because mm-hmm. we've got so much to choose from can be a little overwhelming maybe but but it's awesome. 
but how is it for somebody that's in in your shoes? Is is the boom and all the competition helpful, or does it make it tough? It's an exciting world. I'm not gonna lie, uh, but we think it sounds like it's crowded because mm-hmm. there's you know a new distillery popping up every other month or a new brewery popping up every other month, and we have three or four brewery breweries beer breweries in humble area right uh between back pew and spindle tap and city acre and ingenious we have breweries all over the place we have at least five distilleries that i can think of off the top of my head in the city of houston area Mm -hmm. but it's like a whole bunch of people parachuting down into what was formerly a desert Mm -hmm. because there was one distillery in right. Texas prior to 2011, right. that was Tito's. Right. And all of the ones that have popped up since then have come up since 2011, 2012. And, you know, we're talking now, I think there's something like 40 or so, but there's 25 mm-hmm. million people in Texas. Right. It's there's, a, it's, it's there's more people in Texas than in Scotland, and there's more distilleries in Scotland than in Texas. <laughs> that so it, it may <laughs> there's feel, perspective for you. Yeah, it may yeah. feel crowded. Yeah, but it only feels crowded because there are four manufacturers that make all the whiskey. You can't <laughs> you can't take a step and a half in Scotland without stepping in peat. Right. Yeah. No. That's just that's just the way Scotland is. And it's exciting to have this many. Uh, local distilleries popping up around town. There's one in Katy. There's one down in San Leon. There's one up here in Humble. There's uh, one right around the corner on Post Oak Boulevard. I mean, the one in San Leon is uh, Railing. I've yeah, been Rayleigh, to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, having little neighborhood distilleries pop up is great because the local neighborhood gives its particular flavor to the mm-hmm. brand and, and its own particular flavor. And what's whiskey. so cool as a consumer is this is happening all over the country. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not localized to just where we are. Now, do you it's have, happening all over the country. Do you have a tasting room? Uh, we don't have one a proper tasting room okay. right now. Uh, when we do our tours, we have kind of a reception area. A reception area. Gotcha. Our new location is going to have a proper tasting room awesome. with a stage and a bar Because I've stuff. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of places, uh, breweries and distilleries are doing that where they have the tasting room and then they have sometimes events or vans mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Well, because breweries Hire my and, band, by the way. Um, uh, but, breweries <laughs> and distilleries, though, have become destination points. Yeah, and I think in that's a, way that a beautiful they thing. Five years ago. Right. Yes, you know? but I think that they were sort of like that way back when before prohibition mm-hmm. where you mm-hmm. that's where you'd gather right and i think it's kind of coming back to that a little bit well, in they, a new they way. changed the law in 2012 yeah. to allow distilleries and breweries to sell product on site yes and it's a limited amount it's that a, you it's can a limited buy. amount i can sell two bottles per person per month up to three thousand gallons a year or something like that the the gallon limit is my, it might as well be infinity because i've got to draw enough people through to sell right. that right, much. right but the two bottles per person per month is a pain because if I have somebody come in that wants to buy a case for their wedding, oh, I have to right. tell them, okay, you you got to bring your fiance and your mom and your yeah, dad. Yeah, everyone's got to buy I got to have six people. Or you, you got go to go to a, a go, go to specs, specs, which yeah. is fine. I don't mind spe- right. selling through specs. That's that's perfectly great. We're in 87 spec stores across the state. Go to specs and buy your stuff. Uh, <laughs> I have no problem selling through specs. But, but when people come and knock on my door and say, hey, we want this special thing for this special event, I've got to say, you know, we've got to do this other thing to you have to accommodate the, the distributor. Yeah. Right. All right. Coming up, I, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, about selling whiskey across state lines, which sounds like the uh, 
Oh, that was cute. Uh, it sounds like a a plot for a Burt Reynolds uh, movie, but mm-hmm. it's actually uh, but it's actually a legitimate uh, question as this as this all expands. Uh, plus, we're going to be uh, bringing you up to speed on a couple of the new cigar uh, developments in Washington with the FDA, and we're going to be tasting a beer that's supposed to be like a toaster pastry. I'm really curious about this, so we'll uh, we'll get to that. The Dorchester Brewing and Decadent Ales Strawberry Frosted Pastry IPA. It's not just for breakfast, and no, and nor <laughs> should it be. Uh, so we'll do all of that when uh, smoking and toasting uh, continues. Uh, thank you guys for checking us out for show number one thirty. They can hear this on Facebook right now. Yeah. Hi, Katie. <laughs> My niece just turned in. Oh. <laughs> or one of my, my first niece, actually. Ah. Ian, I see you've uh, you've done it in and, and collapsed it already. Welcome back, my friends. It's smoking and toasting, and we are. Uh, well, see, it, I wasn't as smooth with it as you were, but it's still really cool. Collapsing this thing. Yeah, see, that works. That you got to totally do it with works. one hit. It's got to yeah, be like right. this. I did it with just, oh, uh, come see? on. Come on. You're the man. You're the man. There you go. Yeah. Well, it just yeah. takes, you got to drink enough of this and practice with it. <laughs> I think I will. <laughs> you got to put I, the time in. I accept your challenge, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. It's Smoking a Toast in show number 130. A dream and a dram. It's Old Dumble uh, Distilling. For, for, in the for those of you, by the way, who have no idea what that last little conversation was about, we have this collapsible. Uh, 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 whiskey uh, shot glasses, and they're awesome because when you slam them on the table, they just drop down. They just to drop this. down, and and then you can like put them back in their little. This is going with, with me you. everywhere. I had a feeling. Way. Yeah, well, I had a feeling. Goes on your keychain. I, I know. I love it. Awesome. Just in case, you know. Right. I'm gonna. You know what? You know what? This needs to do since it has a keychain thing. It's gonna go on my dog's collar. <laughs> yeah. Remember the old cartoons with the the Saint Bernard? Right. The Saint Bernard had the had the uh, yes. Oh, mm-hmm. we need to get back to those times. That's all I'm saying. My dog will always have my uh, shot glass with her. <laughs> Just in case somebody jumps out from behind a bush. That's right. With, with a, a bottle, bottle of whiskey, whiskey yeah. and needs you to drink. I it. can't oh, tell you man. how many times. I, anyway, I'm sorry. You were saying it, it shops at Clear Fork. It it does happen a lot when when you're hanging out with Ian. People do jump out from behind bushes Weird with whiskey that needs to be tasted. Well, that's when you're that's prepared. a story for a That's a whole podcast. And so. That's why I like hanging out with you. <laughs> you thought it was your magnetic personality, but uh, but no. It's apparently. like that thing after you buy a Mustang, you suddenly see Mustangs everywhere. Yes, on the road. Oh, yeah, yeah. Once exactly you're looking right. for it, it happens all the time. <laughs> and that happens with the, that uh, that happened with Yugos, too. When I bought my Yugo, I saw Yugos everywhere. No, I didn't. Um, uh, We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, they are a wonderful sponsor. They make, uh, you know, amazing food, and they have a wonderfully curated bar. Wonderfully. Absolutely. It is. is, I enjoy going in, and, you know, they always say, are you here for dinner, sir? And I go, uh, no. And then I just sneak my way over to the bar and just sit and. Gaze yes. at the bottles, and it's not expansive. No, it's not but one it of those things awesome. with seven zillion bottles. But it's just so well curated. Yes, Jeremiah is the man. Uh, I'm hoping to see him later this week. We I got I got to catch up with him. We got things to talk about and plan, like the whiskey sniff for uh, this year. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, the cigar industry gained some breathing room yesterday. Uh, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has extended the deadline for cigar product testing, which was originally scheduled. For November 8th. They've extended it now for six months 
while they release testing guidelines, which hasn't occurred. Smaller cigar makers will be, be given three additional months to test. The testing, there are a couple of things about this cigar, proposed cigar legislation, or it's not proposed, it's actually passed, but it remains to be seen what parts of it will stand due to the appeals and the... We're going to have to get Trey on here. It's been a while. Yes, it has. And and uh, Trey actually reached out to me last week, and i got to get back to him. So if you're awesome. listening to the show, Trey, we'll, we'll be in touch shortly, and we do need to get an update from you. But if I understand things correctly, th- there's several things about this legislation that are really onerous for cigar makers and cigar shops that sell cigars. And one of them, obviously, is the packaging, which we've talked a lot about. The mm. other, though, is this idea of testing and what it takes to have a new brand approved. So, Ian, if you're running a cigar company and you're rolling up a new blend and you go, I really, you know, this blend is working out great. I really like it. We're going to launch it. Uh, and it's going to be called the... Uh, uh, you're going to die from smoking these cigars? Yeah, well, no, I'm, I'm, you're going to call it whatever. <laughs> no, happened, I would right? just call it that. Because, yeah, right, 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 that's right. what the government wants right, us to yeah. do. I'm sorry, go right. ahead. But the, the fact is that now the testing process and the approval process to get approval to even put that cigar on the market has now become, under this new legislation, so onerous. They're saying it's going to really block a lot of companies, particularly smaller boutique cigar companies, from putting out new cigars in their line. Imagine Matt Booth from Room 101 blends up something great and something new, and then the testing process and the approval process, just to allow him to sell it at cigar shops, is so onerous that he decides... Uh, heck with we it. can't do it. We just have to right. go with the flavors yeah. we have. Right. So, exactly. yeah, there's no innovation at that right. point ever. Right. It, it completely robs innovation, uh, particularly from the smaller guys. So Who are the guys that are pushing the right. pushing the edges? This. Absolutely. The smaller guys push the edges, and the bigger guys go, wow, there's amazing things going on out there. I'm... Uh, um, you know, I'm General Cigar. Maybe we should get AJ Fernandez to blend cigars for our Monte Cristo line mm-hmm. and for our or, or whatever. Maybe we should do a collaboration with Matt Booth at Room 101 or whoever it, it, it might Hoyo be. by AJ, yeah. by the way. Oh, mm. dude, that is. I, I got to tell so you, good. it's my go-to cigar because of all the AJ stuff that's out on the market. It's one of the least expensive, and the quality. Yeah. The quality is just fantastic. Okay, I gotta ask. Forgive my ignorance. Mm-hmm. What do they test? Uh, you know that is uh, that is a great question. I, they test the uh, the tar and the nicotine levels and all of the other things that that the FDA tests in mm. tobacco. Also, with cigars, those things aren't going into your lungs. Mm-hmm. So there's the nicotine is sublingually. Rocky Patel says the idea of testing. Handmade cigars in any fashion is one that, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. He says, at the end of the day, there's no meaningful test that's reliable. There's no machine out there with credibility that can give you a reliable outcome. And at the end of the day, the whole thing needs to be relooked at and reimagined. It just doesn't make any sense. There's no way to test premium cigars in a reliable manner. There's no technology that exists for actually testing them for these things. Things that they test cigarettes for. Okay, I so can picture him saying levels, that because he's so oddly levels. intense mm-hmm. too. Okay, right. Oh yeah, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That the the FDA has basically provided no rules. Uh, the opponents are saying for now, how wait it's supposed second, to be accomplished though. for cigar and pipe tobacco. Wait a second, though. But they let cigarettes be sold everywhere, and people inhale that, and those have. 
tons of stuff in it yeah. that aren't natural. Right. Like, but, how amazing is that? Yeah. Well, exactly. Um, uh, including uh, additives that make the paper go out. And uh, yeah, just I don't, I don't even get Drew, started. Uh, Drew Newman, who is the general counsel for J.C. Newman Cigar, says because premium cigars are handcrafted, they're subject to great natural variation. We know the amount of sunlight, rain, and wind affects the characteristic of the premium cigar tobacco, uh, just like the size of tobacco leaves, where they're grown on the plant. We found out a lot about this, uh, Ian, when you and I were on the farms at yes. uh, Aladino. It's like where the leaf is pruned from on the plant, all of those things have a huge impact yep. and and it's why it's such an artistic um uh, uh, undertaking blending a cigar hmm. you know uh it is it is kind of like you know baking or or a chef creating a dish except there's so much more, so many more variables right. as to what it's going to ultimately come Yeah instead like. of going down and buying this particular flower now you have to actually grow your own flower um, hope that the weather was right for it, and then make it work for whatever you're baking. Cigar Rights of America and IPCPR say there's no indication that FDA guidance will be released by this year, making it possible that testing won't even be required until mid-2020 at the soonest. So we hmm. we can continue to be um, pretty optimistic about that. Now, the other piece of news is that the U.S. F, uh, Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, uh, has really stepped in on their um, uh, restricting of flavored cigars. And while this doesn't affect you and I a whole lot, Ian, in terms of what we like to smoke, because it's aimed at the flavored cigars that you buy at you know, the grocery store. And Are the, you talking and about watermelon-flavored yeah, blunt wraps? That's exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, the Those place aren't even used like as cigars. They're not even smoked like cigars. I know, I know. but the place where it does affect us is I... I, I've been told by the people in the cigar industry that I've that I've had a chance to discuss this with that it will affect the Drew Estate Acid line. It will, of course, it, uh, will. it will affect the uh, the coffee infused cigars and some of the uh, some of the different cigars that different lines have. You know, Cao has a line of uh, flavored cigars that are uh, that are really pretty well made. And you know what? When's the last time you were standing outside of Specs and some teenager came up and said, "Hey, man, can you get me one of those Cao flavored cigars? Yeah. Can, can you get me a Cuba Cuba from uh, Drew Estate?" That's right. <laughs> I mean, uh, I yeah. have my nine dollars for that cigar or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, the FDA <laughs> that just is, sounds dreadful. Is, I mean, like, watermelon this, and this, well, okay. So the, the, you know, we're talking about the fact that the 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 FDA has this information. They don't want kids smoking these flavored cigars, and flavored cigars are obviously marketed to kids, right? Okay. Supposedly. When's the last time you saw a kid, anyone even under the age of, oh, I don't know, 25, smoking, yeah. smoking premium flavored cigars? You know? I mean, first off, you can't afford them. Yeah. They're expensive. They're, they are. They're nice. They're expensive. And they're not marketed to kids. You know, they're not like cartoon characters on them or anything. The, uh, <laughs> the FDA said uh, they are moving forward with a proposed rule to ban all characterizing flavors in cigars. If finalized, the new rule may eventually remove all flavored cigars from shelves. The one piece of good news is that um, this is only a draft guidance, which means it opens up a period for uh, commenting. So we'll see what happens. Hmm. But that's the that that's the latest on on what's going down uh, in the cigar industry. But two two big developments in the last week. So. We will keep you posted, as usual. Ian, I've brought and handed you uh, what I'm guessing is going to be one of the more unique beers uh, that we've tried on the show. And maybe, who knows, maybe it won't be that unique. Uh, but I, it is a... Uh, 
It is an ale, an IPA, that is called Strawberry Frosted Pastry. Hmm. And I suppose they can't call it Pop-Tart because that's probably a, 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 <laughs> trademark. a trademark name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but why don't you open that bad boy I love up? The, I love there's a picture. Like If you're looking at this online, you can see if there's a picture of wind-up teeth. Chasing a a toaster pastry. Chasing a toaster pastry. (laughs) Which is leaking strawberry. Which is leaking strawberry, yes. yes, So why don't you open that bad boy up and let's see whether this is a wonderful idea. Well, let me get my sound effect machine going. Okay, go ahead. Oh, wow. That was a good one. This is one of the cool things I like about the craft beer industry. that They're they're coming up with so many cool names and so many cool flavors and so many cool labels for their cans. Well, there's... It's it's so exciting. Yes. And and I will just say this before we even try this. If it's wonderful, that's great. If it's not, I'm still glad they tried it. Yes. You know what I mean? I'm still glad they're trying and, and becoming creative and, and working on uh, making sure that, that the industry continues to innovate and do different things. Can you imagine if there was some sort of a ban on um, strawberry flavoring in beer? See, it's, Adam, how much will you, will of a, how much of a bummer his, would that be? You know? Will you check like his uh, camera? I think yeah. I bumped it a little yeah, bit. Ian may have... Uh, Cause some damage on the set here. <laughs> I was trying to hand you a beer, by the way. Not well, Belgium, Germany. Uh, yes, yes. I will say, Ian, on the nose, I don't get any strawberry. I just get a sort of a. Mm, there's a sweetness, though, that sort of an IPA sweetness. sweetness. Yeah, yeah. And it definitely smells kind of IPA, but it smells a little more dank IPA, kind of, which is a little weird when you're thinking strawberry sweetness. Fascinating. But not bad for an IPA. Fascinating. I'm going to have to really think about this before I comment, so I'm going to let you go first here. Okay, so if there was a thought bubble above my head right now and it had three letters in it, mm-hmm. WTF. <laughs> like if I had never seen <clears throat> this. Right. Oh, and it just keeps going. It oh does, my goodness. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't stop on the aftertaste. <laughs> You're going to be stuck with this one for a while. Wow, I, can... I wonder how this is going to affect the whiskey later. We may have to do a palate cleanse. <laughs> uh, uh, it has this... It has this, you know, um, you ever eat something with powdered sugar? Yes. And and the powdered sugar accidentally g- kind of gets in your nose? Yes. It has that going on right mm-hmm. now. I like, see that. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, like a funnel cake. Like, you just, you're eating too much funnel cake and it goes, you know. I see that Joe is, uh, I see that Joe is <laughs> He's going He's gone into full-on palate cleanser mode. Straight whiskey palate cleanse. Uh, so this is, this is very interesting. Ian, uh, do you like this? I, I, I you know, I, I have to, I have to try it. I have to get another chance because I've only had one sip and it won't let go. Right? Yeah. Now. No, it's <laughs> it's still hanging on. Please, you keep <laughs> me hanging on, the Supremes. Um, it is, it, it is so interesting. And again, I, I'm glad I said this before we tried it, but I'm so glad they did this. That said, okay. So second sip, you get more of the strawberry, and like, but the strawberry seed kind of thing, which makes it a little bit better. There's a the, certain, you need the second sip. All right, so. I'm going to ask you this question, and I know that you know you were at one time a poor student, and and you know, uh, but have you ever tried to microwave a pop tart? No. no. Okay. <laughs> a, it doesn't work. Um, B, it gives you this certain flavor, sort of a burnt caramel flavor mm-hmm. that's not really appealing. I'm getting a little of that in this. Even though I'm getting the strawberry, like I get it, I dig it, I like it. And there's a toastiness to it. And there's also a sort of an IPA citrus in there balancing it out. But I have trouble getting away from that microwaved Pop-Tart taste. That <laughs> that maybe if I'd never tried microwaving a Pop-Tart, I would. Uh, but, you know, hey, I was in college. So I tried it once when I was in college. 
I didn't like it, and I never made it again. So, okay, so on my third or fourth sip of this, the hops start interfering with it, and it gets weird. By the way, I would say these are both very respected craft beers. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just I feel like I have powdered sugar and perfume stuck in my nose right now. Like that's that the whole retro hail after I after I drank this is just I it's it's yeah exactly I had to sneeze so. <laughs> exactly like it's just stuck there like I don't know I'm I'm gonna tell you that I'm gonna pass on this um uh, yeah yeah I, I'm yeah. glad that I tried I'm it. gonna do you all a favor <laughs> hand me some more cups I'm glad that I tried it and you're I'm, gonna need this yeah uh, I'm glad that I tried it and, I, and I'm I, life wouldn't be complete actually without trying it uh, but I'm glad they did it yes. But I don't but I know. Don't, about, I don't know that I will be buying any more of this. <laughs> yeah, that's I am going to finish my cup just just in case that it shifts. Like because what if I it, actually liked the first sip more. What if we let it uh, uh, warm up and it's amazing? Yeah. Well, that's you, possible. It Go is for that. some. I mean, it's not <laughs> ice cold right now, so. So I'm not really an IPA guy. Right. Not a big fan. I definitely like strawberries. This kind of tasted. I mean, it, it tasted like what I expected. Strawberries to say. and IPA. Okay. And it tastes like potpourri. Like I, strawberry. I'm sorry, go ahead. I can, I can appreciate how people would like the sweet flavor to it. Mm-hmm. But to me, it tastes like the two drinks fighting in my mouth. And, yes. Uh, yes. I do think there's a little it, of that. It was yeah. exactly what I expected. Uh, <laughs> so I can give it that. Um, but uh, again, my hat's off to them for trying it. Yeah, like it, really, like they may have. Idea. There may be a market for that. It's a clever I, idea. The thing that I wonder the most after having tasted it is, did they say, "Let's try this combination of ingredients and and brewing styles to try to create something that'll be like a strawberry toaster pastry," or did they try creating something? This is what came out, and then they said. Hey, it kind of tastes like a strawberry toaster pastry. That's what <laughs> the, we'll the, call it. The chicken right? and egg, right? Right. And the chicken and was, egg. Was it maybe an attempt just to make a strawberry IPA? Mm-hmm. You know, because we've had uh, like it's not an IPA, but we've had like the the strawberry blonde from Shiner, and it's mm-hmm. got a very different kind of a strawberry yes. taste to it. You know, and the blonde well, is a little bit like, softer flavor so than yeah. the IPA off, to begin this with. This might have been more fun without it being an, a double India Pale Ale to start with. Like you're starting with a beast of a beer with a right. huge mm-hmm. dank hopness to it. I'm just want to right. read you. Before and I think that dank, that dank hopness, like what you said, I think it's fighting with the sweeter part of the beer. Mm-hmm. Like now Salus. that being said, what's that? It was Salus years and years and years ago. Right, right. Made their flavored pilsners. Yeah, well, they, they actually were, just came out with those again. Oh, did yeah, they? you can find them in the store again. I didn't know they were still the, uh, the, yes. the strawberry. Uh, yes, I've seen yeah. them in the stores. Yes. And that was a nice soft beer Sells with a nice uh, mm-hmm. fruity flavor to yeah. it, if you were into that sort of thing. It was really yummy. Uh, uh, and I've had cherry stouts and strawberry stouts that were you know, a nice mellow flavor with the fruit kind of blended into it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the base the base of the – I'm like – I'm just not an IPA guy, but the base of that IPA, I can see how people can like a sweet tart type of thing. But. It says on the can, and this is produced by the way by uh, uh, Dorchester Brewing Company, Boston, Mass. Four decadent ales. Mm-hmm. Um, it says everyone loves toaster pastries. Here we've used a blend of sugars, spices, and real strawberries to recreate our favorite breakfast treat. Mm. 
enjoy. I will tell you, I handed out uh, a little bit of the um, the uh, St. Arnold Springbok. Mm-hmm. Just as a palate cleanser? As a palate cleanser, and by the way, one of my favorite beers. Um, I've been waiting for it for a while. I've been like watching the store going, when is it coming out? Um, and it did. Mm-hmm. But uh, it actually works as a palate cleanser. It does, which is good because in the next segment we're going to get back to some uh, uh, back to some whiskey here, and I don't want to uh, I, I I don't want to have strawberry on my palate when I'm yeah. Tasting it, the it cleanses most of it out. There's still a little stuck in my nose. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I so I'm going to go ahead and point out on on this just because I'm not a big fan of this, and I will not go out and buy this. It's it's definitely worth if you see a can of it, buy it. Buy it, try it, share yes. it with friends. You're not going to drink the whole can, I promise. Yes. yes. <laughs> but buy it, try it with friends, and talk about it. Because look, we just did a whole segment talking well, about and this. And it's one of the things that's wonderful about what's happening in the craft brewing industry mm-hmm. right now is that people are taking these chances. They're trying these things. Do you? Th- I mean, do you, honestly, do you think uh, Budweiser would ever have tried something like this? You know? No. They well. they changed the bottle to the old school bottles. That's and right. you should yeah. buy it because they changed the bottle to look they, like the old I wonder, bottles. They I wonder, did do their lemon lime Rita. Well, yeah, but that come garbage. on, that's 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 <laughs> awful. <laughs> buy this way before you buy that. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I do find myself though, Ian, wondering. <laughs> you said a lime Rita garbage. I think those are those are like redundancies. Yeah. Hey, throw that in the lime Rita. That's, yeah. that's kind of. <laughs> I do find myself though wondering what the strawberry frosted page pastry uh, IPA double IPA from Decadent Ales. Would taste like if you were pouring it out of a bottle that had a vortex in the neck. Oh, that that actually might make it go down smoother. You might think so, right? Yeah. Because that inch and a half or two inch bottleneck mm-hmm. with the vortex makes it way better. And and the other unfortunate thing about that is By the way, that can should... is not cold activated. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, maybe, how do we know it's cold? What then were well, they thinking? Yeah, My goodness. Maybe they could make the strawberries turn red. Like ripen on the can when the can was actually It's so cold. easy to make fun of big beer <laughs> oh, brands. Oh, it really is. It really is. By the way, I do, I do want you to know I stopped and checked yesterday. Uh, I was at a, uh, a convenience store, a time-wise convenience store yeah. here in the greater Houston area, and I didn't buy a 12-pack of Bud Light, but I did check to, uh, to take a look at the ingredients label. Uh, and so far, the ingredients label still does not mention yeast, and still uh, does not so, mention the... Do you uh, know this? That that they decided to put uh, uh, ingredients labels because people want to know what's in their beer. That's So their four awesome. ingredients for their beer are... Water, malt, barley, and hops. Now, they Supposedly. left out yeast because apparently their beer doesn't have yeast. Mm-hmm. Naturally. Um, they also, rice, uh, which well, we know is in there. Mm-hmm. And, and they also left out weed killer, which weed we killer. also know is in there. So, that's <laughs> oh, fantastic. It's been proven. It's it's, co- it's come out. Does your studies. does your uh, uh, does do you have a? Uh, we do not have an ingredients a, an ingredient list. label. But because I can tell you, tell us what's in it. What you? goes in this bottle is forty five percent alcohol and fifty five percent water. That's what's in whiskey. That's the best <laughs> I label that. ever. <laughs> that is the best label ever. I, I, I so think right. we need to start a campaign for whiskey that says that you, you alcohol, did. water, yeah, alcohol, you, you need water. To come up with something like. <laughs> 
Billy Billy, or I don't know, some kind of <laughs> some kind of stupid catchphrase, uh, so people will, will catch up. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back. We're going to uh, uh, try the next iteration uh, from Old Humble Distilling, and then Ian has also brought, and this should be interesting because we went sweet with the strawberry. Now we're going to go sour, sour yeah. with the New Belgium. So this should be a very interesting juxtaposition, and it's all coming up next on Smoking and Toasting. <laughs> See the brain trust and Budweiser sitting back thinking, how can we ruin two drinks? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. God. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, those lemons. Hey, Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, and we are so oh, glad to have yeah. you on the program. Aw, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Uh, show number 130, we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And I would be remiss if I did not also mention B&B Lemon across the street from uh, the main B&B location on Washington Ave in Houston. A wonderful little bar with an actual lemon. If you're going to go out on a date and yeah. you want the high-end cocktails, yeah. that's that's good, a great place, good place to go. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, um, I saw a great video. Uh, it was on YouTube or something earlier this week. For those of you who don't want to um, drink. I tried to have them take. Oh, you're talking about something else. Oh, yeah, something else. Yeah, totally, totally different. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't want to add green food coloring to your beer for St. Patty's Day in order to stay into the, uh, uh, you know. You mean that's St. Pat's food spirit. coloring? Yeah, that's food coloring. Um, that's that Miller Lite, green Miller Lite. Yeah, it's got green food going in it. I, I didn't. I, uh, but if you don't want to do that. Is that on the uh, ingredient label? Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question. With a, green. Uh, green. And, and green. Green stuff. Number four. Uh, uh, no, the uh, I, this video that I saw was awesome because what they did is they were taking tequila and they were infusing it with basil. And it makes a, it's a wonderful combination. They're saying you love the aroma, you love what it does to the tequila, and you infuse it just like you know when you take like a vodka and you put right. pineapple in it and you let it sit for let's a while. Sit. Do the same thing with tequila and basil, and it gives it this wonderful natural green with no you know uh, artificial colors or, or food coloring uh, involved. And then you make margaritas or you make you know whatever yeah. uh, whatever traditional St. Patrick's yeah. margaritas. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Mm. Hey, we do live in Texas. <laughs> now, come on. <laughs> which makes which made St. Patrick the patron saint of margaritas. Uh, right. I think he's a patron saint of quite a few things actually. <laughs> I will tell you if you're if you're listening to this and you're in a state that doesn't get margaritas at every single restaurant. Yeah. You're missing something. You need to maybe think about moving to Texas. <laughs> yeah. I think though at this point the margarita has become pretty ubiquitous. Yeah, pretty ubiquitous. Yeah. Or if you're in one of those restaurants that makes margaritas with wine. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I don't like that. So. Always watch um, your bartender make your margarita. Now, you I'm mentioned saying. a cocktail earlier uh, that you said uh, you made with uh, with your old humble distilling uh, with your straight whiskey. Mm-hmm. It was three ingredients. Mm-hmm. It's called our apple blossom. Apple blossom. It so is my mom's favorite cocktail. So it's whiskey, whiskey, apple, apple juice, juice, and cinnamon. And cinnamon. Mm-hmm. See, I just I, I love just the thought of that. We that serve it on the rocks, but it also tastes great warm. Mm. If you mm-hmm. heat up the apple juice and cinnamon together, it makes oh, for a fantastic warm cocktail. Uh, oh yeah, like, like instead of like winter a mulled weeks. wine, you can do right, more right. like mm-hmm. yeah, I like it. Warm mm-hmm. apple blossom. So like for those uh, three weeks of winter we have, it's fantastic. Yes. yes. 
blink, <laughs> blink, and you will miss it. Uh, let's go to our next uh, our next spirit here. What are we What are we going to be trying, my friend? I'm gonna put that there. Okay. So this yeah. is our uh, special reserve whiskey. Okay. So so, how, so well, the difference between your regular and your special reserve. So is? our our straight whiskey is 100 percent corn. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Why? Thank you. Give mm -hmm. you a full shot there. Uh, our straight whiskey is 100% corn, aged five years in used bourbon barrels, uh, and handcrafted up in Humble. Our, our special reserve is a third of that stock that we put back in barrels. So and you we, take a third of... Roughly you can a third. smell the cinnamon on it right off the top. We put it back in barrels, small casks, and age it again for six to eight weeks. So when you get your, your whole... Um, your, your whole amount of which one mm -hmm. third of it mm -hmm. is taken, put in, back into the barrels again, mm -hmm. right? In new casks. In new casks, okay. So it already has that base flavor of our straight whiskey, and we put it back in new casks and age it a second time. So it gives it a little bit darker color, a little bit deeper flavor. And buttery. And that makes our special wow. reserve. It's, wow. It's like, it's like the same flavors, but smoother, like mm -hmm. more refined and a little buttery. And let's just mention... The it's a little straight, sweeter. The straight whiskey is very smooth. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's Thank not you. like it's not like you got to go to this to get smoothness, but it does kind of take it to a different level. You're right, Ian. Definitely some butteriness. Yeah. And the uh, the cinnamon hits at a different place on the tongue, but it still hits. And and I like that. What is the proof on this one? Ninety proof as well. Ninety proof as well. So it starts off with this base flavor of the straight whiskey. Mm -hmm. And then the second aging in the barrel kind of layers in another flavor, another layer of flavor on now, top of that. Now, taste is very subjective, and we've been talking about uh, like what we're tasting in this, especially the, uh, the vanilla, the cinnamon, and on this one, the butteriness especially. And this still has that mineral water kind of aftertaste. Now, this has a little bit fuller mouthfeel than the other one has. Mm -hmm. How would you describe this whiskey to someone who has never tried it? Like, excluding everything we've said, how would you describe well, it? Well, I said before that I'm more interested in the feel than the flavor because i could tell you what it tastes like okay. and you will taste what so, it tastes like i'm gonna go ahead and say that this is a little bit like a sunflower in mid-bloom <laughs> <laughs> fair okay it feels good dilly dilly. Um, <laughs> dilly dilly if people in fact my little brother uh lives in savannah uh, I sent a few bottles with him. He came and visited over the uh, Christmas break, and uh -huh. he went back with a case or so uh, for his friends and uh, neighbors. He wanted – one of his friends was asking what it tasted like, and I, I told him, just give him a shot. Let him know what it tastes like. Uh, and then I went on to describe it as it tastes exactly the opposite of what a kick in the nuts feels. Uh, well, You know. Uh, I would agree. <laughs> it tastes like – it, it it tastes like a, a a a kitten sleeping on your belly, nice and cozy. It tastes like uh, 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 sitting in a hammock on a warm spring afternoon. Okay, I'm going to start translating because that's <laughs> yeah. a little esoteric well, here. Well, let me. But just, I'm going to go ahead me. and say, okay. So the first statement, <laughs> it's the opposite of a kick in the nuts, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So let me go ahead and translate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That means I actually want to go back and get another. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the first thing that happens. The second one was the warm, cozy kitten sleeping mm -hmm. on your belly. That is the lack of heat when you taste this and then the warm feeling that comes back at the end of the palate and just okay. warms the back of your throat. Okay. What was the last thing you said? Uh, laying in a hammock on a warm spring after that's the sun warming up your skin and the nice beautiful warm feeling you get after you've swallowed this and it hits your belly well i appreciate 
the interpretation, but I have to say, <laughs> you have completely changed my perception because I didn't know there was anybody in humble waxing poetic in this way, and this is a this is a new revelation for me. But you know, that, that's not a I'm not bagging on humble. I just didn't know it was a a poet's community, and apparently. I'm no. hearing I'm hearing you describe That's the whiskey what we do. in this way. And I'm thinking Like I gotta I gotta go poetic, on one of these tours. There's a whole poetic <laughs> movement going on in Humble that I knew nothing about. That's what know? we do. We we, yeah. we invent oil and uh invent oil, yeah. <laughs> it's poet, amazing. It, you know, it's amazing actually. <laughs> it is amazing actually how if you can invent oil and make some money for that, how it gives you the freedom to become a poet. Right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's just that's just there you go. that's what we do. Do you ever uh, spend time distilling? I mean, that was amazing. Yes. <laughs> yes. We do. Uh, but it I mean but that was the intent just, behind this was not I mean, I can tell you what it tastes like. Uh, you know, it tastes like whiskey. Uh, it tastes like whiskey the way whiskey should taste. It it, it doesn't have that medicine aftertaste. It mm-hmm. doesn't have that that harsh bite. It doesn't have that uh, uh, sting you get in your nostrils and in the back of your throat. It, I, I, the best explanation is what it doesn't have because everybody's familiar with what whiskey does have. You know, they've had their mass-produced whiskeys that they have to drown in Coke in order for it to taste good. Right, right, right. We don't have to drown our whiskey in Coke. You can taste fine in a shot glass. The flavor. Yeah. It can taste uh, fine on the rocks. Rock. And even slightly overproofed. It's it's yeah. really nice and, and smooth. You know, and not- we do it overproof on purpose because I prefer it on the rocks so that it can be chilled down a little bit. And you put and it you on the rocks, it, it chills you down and it doesn't yeah. taste like water. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that. So you can yeah. sit down. It tastes like a nap in the third quarter of a Texans game. Because. That's- Unbelievable. <laughs> because what, that's he what, mean, what he means by yeah. this is it puts you <laughs> in such an amazingly it. relaxed state. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a couple of these, and it doesn't matter how many interceptions Matt Shop throws. Uh, I was going to say, I, I, I fell asleep in the third quarter of a Texans game once, and when I woke up, Matt Shaw had thrown three interceptions. <laughs> yeah. So that, it, it happens. That's you know? how it goes. It happens. Uh, um, um, this is, so is this, your, like, is this your proudest achievement in your, in your line? The proudest achievement is still my Boomtown Bourbon. Yeah. That is really that's the thing that set the ship sailing. Uh, this is my bridge between my straight whiskey and my Boomtown bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, over here would be the Boomtown bourbon. It is it is still our flagship, uh, your flagship product, uh, El Dorado, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Uh, I cannot wait until this Christmas when it comes back out. We should have about a hundred bottles available. How long has it been since it was uh, on shelves? We sold out of it. July of 2000, see this 2019, July 2017, we sold out of it at the shop. I saw the last bottles on store shelves in March. Hmm. And that was at a total wine in the med center. Now, do you have a plan (laughs) in place to do some longer aging? Yes. Yes. So when we move into our new facility, I'm going to break out the larger stills. Uh, we'll, We'll have more capacity, more space. I'll break back out into our right now we have 25 gallons still. I'm going to break back into our 250 gallon uh, gallons of still space. <clears throat> that will give us the capacity to put up 50 gallons at a time and have five or six barrels aging right over the course of five to and, seven years. And for some, so our Boomtown special or our, our Boomtown Reserve is the next product in the product Okay, line. gotcha. Yeah. Boomtown Reserve. So nice. for some of the people out there who don't don't really necessarily, aren't really whiskey drinkers uh, specifically, if you don't understand the process, a lot of whiskey is aged and, mm-hmm. and goes by age. And if you have a brand new distillery, you can't have aged whiskey because you're not that old. You haven't right. been around So that you long. have right. to have a plan in place mm-hmm. 
to or you go, have to okay. outsource the production to somebody right, else. Right. And if you're going to do this in 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 house, you have to have a plan in place to take your distillate and age it for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you can't put out, you know, a four year or a seven year old whiskey. Right. If you're only been around for four or seven you know, years, yeah. exactly. You know, if you're only you know three four years and, old, so. and try as you might, you cannot go to your landlord and say, "Can I pay you with a barrel of whiskey?" They <laughs> want. They surprisingly enough, they want money for rent. That's in, bizarre. I know people. In maybe money. you should be a landlord because I have a feeling <laughs> that if you went to Ian and you were wanting to pay your rent with a barrel of whiskey, you might get somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Possibility. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, wow, this is uh, this is terrific. What is this? Uh, uh, what is this going to retail for? So this is at Specs. This is twenty five, and this I think is thirty at the distillery. Wow. This is thirty, and this is forty. I would say at and both of those price ranges. I mean, this is re- this really outperforms expectations at those price ranges. Well, thank you, thank you. And what you also get at the distillery is both of these bottles will be signed by the guy who made it. Oh, nice! And uh, uh, as well as samples and cocktails and. Uh, Awesome tour and all the other stuff. So and that's on Saturdays at two. Saturday, Saturdays between twelve and two. Oh, between twelve and two. Uh, and and you make reservations online. If I don't have reservations for tours, I may not be there, or I may not be prepared for the tour because we have to have supplies for the cocktails. Uh, uh, every tour. This is this is a small operation. How many people do you have working with you? One. Well, counting me. There you have it. Including me. Yes. One. There you go. <laughs> I have a uh, I, I have it. a part time brand ambassador real works deal right there mostly on the south side. She does a lot of events down in Kima. We have we're in eight venues in Kima in the Lighthouse District, uh, and you can probably catch her doing tastings at five o'clock in Specs around town. I will be at the Kingwood Specs. What is today? Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday. I'll be at Kingwood tomorrow, Friday, and Tascasita Specs on Saturday. Uh, Dawn, you can probably catch her uh, floating around town on the south nice. and west sides of town. So this uh, is real hands-on, real deal. It's very hands-on. You make this. Yeah. I love that. I uh, love and if you, and if you look at the labels, uh, pointing towards the camera over there, mm-hmm. if you look at the labels, you can see they're probably, I'm looking at these two back labels. This one is crooked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this one is slightly off-center. Uh, and so yeah, it's very. What hands-on. you're pointing out is that it's a small hands-on. It's very hands. Like I'm yeah. just sticking these down as quick as I can get them. Well, what are you doing today? <laughs> hey, I'm putting the labels on. Yeah, that's yeah. what we do. We'll have uh, a couple of volunteers come in, help me bottle up. One person will be doing do you, labels. Do you one pay person in, will be filling in whiskey. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Sometimes. All right, I'm going to let you know when I'm off. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Ian will be out later this afternoon. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break, come back for our final segment. We have a, uh, uh, we have another, oh, have we, uh, did we, we didn't taste the sour, did we? Ah. Okay. So in the next segment, we're going to taste both the sour because this uh, Adam is this four. We're in four now. Okay. So our final segment, we're going to taste both the <laughs> We've been uh, drinking. I don't both know where the we're sour at. and the <laughs> barley wine uh, because we don't want to miss out on either of these. So uh, so that's coming up. Plus, I got some questions for you about the Boomtown Bourbon, uh, and and we'll uh, you know we'll continue this uh, discussion. I love how crafty this is, if I can say it that way. I just love the fact that it's. It's more of a passion project than it is. It's what you don't get sometimes when you're dealing with the larger companies. Now, honestly, I have nothing against the larger companies if they make a great product. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, the the passion that goes into the fact that you may have put this label on the back of this yourself, mm-hmm. there's something about that I find really, really cool. Also, he couldn't send out an employee because 
he he's, doesn't have he's one. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's working right now doing something else. All right, we'll be right back. It's uh, smoking a toast, and thank you for listening. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> but yeah, we legitimately spill more, or they spill more than we produce. That was yeah. the uh, yeah. old Sam Adams line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. They, that's legitimately Adams, true. Man. They spill more than we produce that in an whole, entire that year. Whole campaign with, uh, we love that. On the beach in Hawaii. Welcome back, my good friends, to Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 130. Ian, here we are, 130 episodes. No one yeah, has exactly. stopped us. Exactly. No <laughs> one has stepped in and, and, and put an end to it. Uh, so who knows? We may well go to 150. Now, let me ask you a quick question. When we hit 150, is that is that any kind of a celebration, or do we have to get to 200? Before it's really what, a, what is that a called? Summit. Is that sesquicentennial? I don't know. Well, I know I, I know that we did, when we did right? the 151 is the rum proof. Oh, well, one fifty one. One fifty one. I like that. <laughs> uh, you know, when we did the hundredth show, we had the big celebration. We invited everybody who'd been on the show to be there. Not everybody could make it, of course, but we <laughs> that had, was nuts. It was a four hour <laughs> drinking festival. Is the what best it was. part of that too was all the people that came up to us that couldn't make it were like, "I watched that show and oh my gosh." <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part was the love fest that erupted between Jeremiah uh, from B and B and your friend Mark. That was that amazing. was that was wonderful towards <laughs> the end of the show. Uh, not saying that any drinking had occurred, just saying it was wonderful. And Uber was uh, uh, was utilized. All right, so I'm going to uh, pull out my sound effect machine. Right. While you do that, let me tell you Which about... looks much like an actual bottle with a cork. Let me tell you about the new uh, article that's just been released about the. 50 top craft brewers in the United States. Uh, this is based on volume, by the way. They have to qualify as a craft brewery. You're struggling. There you go. <laughs> no, there I was hamming go. it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were struggling. No, I was All totally right. hamming so it up. So I'm going to give you some cups you can uh, <laughs> you can pour away there. While you're pouring, let me run down some of the highlights. I won't do all 50 breweries. But let me run down some of the highlights, as far as we're concerned at least, of this list. And number one, now, care to guess, Ian, the number one craft brewery, remembering what you have to be to be a craft brewery, right? So none of the AB-owned stuff makes this list. Okay, so number one, I would have to guess is Sierra Nevada. Uh, it's number three. I mean, it's a great okay. guess, but they New are Belgium. At, yep, they're at number three. No, number one is Yangling. Really now? Because they kudos do, to them. They do qualify and classify as a craft brewery. Also, the oldest operating brewery right. in the That's United it. States. Yangling and Sons Incorporated from Pottsville, Pennsylvania, at number one. At number two, the Boston Beer Company, which is Sam Adams. Nice. All right. At number three, it's Sierra Nevada, as you mentioned. And I think somebody said New Belgium. They are number four. Number four. Right They here. are number four. Uh, and then a couple of other things that are uh, worthy of our uh, note. Uh, at number seven, Bells. Did you know Bells was Bells. was in the top ten, Ian? No, I had Bells no idea. From Michigan. I love Bells. They they make great products. We've sampled a number. I of I would them like on to pause show. the show for a second. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the MS one hundred and fifty earlier. Uh-huh. I'll be riding that again this year, and um, I'm riding on Eureka Heights, uh, which is a local brewery here in uh, Houston Heights area. I'm riding on their team, but Bells has teamed up with the New Potato Bar. And every Bells you buy at New Potato Bar, 
throws a dollar into my MS-150 fund. And I, I need cool. to go to the like, new potato. How cool is that? And buy bells, not only because I want to support And smoke your, cigars. Your, and not only because I want to support <laughs> your uh, your efforts, but also because I love the new potato. Oh, we had a good time it's when we were there last It's just so time. cool. We did our uh, pipe, sh- uh, pipe 102 show there just a couple of episodes ago. And if you didn't catch that, it's definitely worth, uh, worth catching because Ian... I will tell you, starts out on a diatribe about the pipes he's collecting that runs for like four segments. It's wonderful. It's I might have wonderful. geeked out a little you, bit on you that did. one. You totally geeked out on the show. <laughs> and it's, it's great because I'm using the one that gets all geeky. And this one, this was your show to geek out. And I loved it. It's not exactly uh, cigar related. But yeah. well, one I'm of the MS50s that I rode, yeah. uh, we stopped at lunch at the Bastrop High School. Uh-huh. And there was a dude over there on the stairs by the high school. I uh, finished his lunch. He was sitting there next to his bike. And he was just sucking on a cigarette like a Frenchman, like the antidote was in there. And he was <laughs> and it was it was like this pristine moment of this guy in full cycling kit with his bike. And he's just. <sighs> and I was like, that's pure bliss. So I had a friend of mine who was an average an avid uh, cycler. And he had a poster of, I think it was an old, like, Paris Roubaix. Uh, yeah. And all the guys in the front of the Peloton are smoking cigars. Yeah, or cigarettes smoking, and cigars cig- hanging out of their mouth. Cigarettes yeah. while they're riding their bicycles because they thought if you smoke those, uh, if you smoke the cigarette, you would starve your system a little bit of the oxygen. That way you get stronger. Like, however that works. I don't know. But they were all smoking cigarettes on their bicycles on this ride. you got to well, love science back in the day. For years, yeah. <laughs> for years, cigarettes were promoted as being a, a health aid. Mm-hmm. Sure. For years, especially menthol. Yeah. There you go. They FDA. make your baby smaller, so they're easy to birth. <laughs> they make your baby smaller. Uh, a couple of things I want to point out on this <laughs> list. So before wrong. We, I know. Before we, uh, before we taste the sours, at number nine, Stone Brewing. Yay. At number 10, Deschutes, which I love, Deschutes yep. Brewery. Uh, Brooklyn Brewery at thir- at 12. Dogfish Head at 13. One of my favorites. Yes, I love them. Uh, one of my faves, Harpoon at 18. Um, the the boys from Boston. Shout-outs to my Boston crew. Um, Abita Brewing at 21. Odell at 23. Um, Shipyard out of Portland, Maine at 29. Hmm. Uh, for anyone who's from the Northeast... Shipyard is like a rite of passage up there, but it, they really don't have a lot of uh, uh, reach, I think, outside of the New England area. So I was actually a little surprised to find them on the list nice. because I just didn't think they'd be able to sell enough beer just in that region uh, to make the list. But uh, uh, but interesting. Flying Dog at 33. Um, Rogales at 36. Um, Wachusett at 43. Full sale at 44, and at number 48, St. Arnold Brewing, right. Houston, Texas. Wondering if our so, boys at St. Arnold will yes, make that list. Yes, yes. Yeah, so baby. Very, very, very excited. And by the way, uh, a quick scan of this, St. Arnold, the only Texas brewery to make the list of the top 50. No I will tell you, St. Arnold, so their Coraline mm-hmm. is good. Their Amber Ale is good. But their seasonals kick uh. Ass. I, mm-hmm. I'm like, already excited for fall because of how much I love the Oktoberfest. See, mm-hmm. I love the Oktoberfest. is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, their Springbok just came out. Here mm-hmm. it is on camera. Yep, there it is. That's a great beer. This right here, I wait for that. Mm-hmm. Every year, that's one of my absolute favorites. They have uh, so many good seasonals. Their stout is amazing. We like, need, 
we need to actually work it's like to they get. They can't do wrong. We actually need to work to get Brock from St. Arnold on the show because when when we get him here, I need I need Ian for you to help me. I want to pin him down. They must bring back the sailing Santa. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the greatest Christmas beer ever. And sailing Santa, for those who don't know, it was half. Uh, St. Arnold Christmas Ale uh-huh. and half uh, of their uh, IPA. The, so uh, I just the I also want to point wonderful. out if I took inventory of my beer fridge right now, yeah, um, I have a six pack of uh, Christmas Ale in cans. So you want to drink that pretty soon, buddy? So it can't get uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so it can't get you know mm-hmm. so it can't go bad or anything like that. Still and then I also to, have still want to drink it pretty soon. You think so? Yes. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, you don't want you don't want that hanging around next year. Uh, come on, yeah. I can wait another month. Mm, not Enjoy much longer. It. Anyway, <laughs> I'll come over help you drink it. It'll be okay. No, yeah, every once in a while. We'll get, I we'll also have it. Bishop's Barrel. I think I have consecutive uh, sixteen through twenty-two. Oh, we should totally do a vertical. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I have quite a few of the Divine Reserves, including a six-pack of the 19 that I just bought. Oh, nice. And yeah, I have, I have quite a few of those. I remember. Now, I don't know if it's still the same way, but I remember when a Divine Reserve release was like a lines out the door I remember at that every too. spec. Although, I walked into a uh, – I walked into – uh, where was I? I was at Kroger, I think, and they had like a six-pack of it on the shelf. For yeah. like seventeen bucks, I was right. like, it's. I think it's become a little easier to get, <laughs> yeah. a little more ubiquitous. All right, I'm say. trying this beer. All right, I can't so, stop now. so wait, tell me about it first. Tell me what we're sampling. Ah, oh, denied. Okay, so <laughs> and I'm so sampling while you're telling. You are the worst person I've ever met. In one of our sixty-five, oh, each one of our sixty-five photocask cask matures uh, beers in mm. its own unique way so much that our master blender lauren actually gives each one a name number 61 is called gilda matured in our golden ale oh matured our golden ale felix the, so the beer is called felix and the mm-hmm. the uh cask is uh number 61 okay so uh let's see where was i um to such a level of perfection that it needed to be experienced alone big lemon lime um starfruit i don't know what Starford is aromas dance with citric acidity and slightly sweet finish. In Ian, a word, exceptional. Taste this beer. I was trying so, to. Yes, you wouldn't let me. Taste let the me. beer. Here we go. Taste the beer and talk to me. Oh my gosh! I think it's astounding. Like I absolutely love it. Now I saw a very interesting look on the your lemon face. lime was unexpected. Yeah, I saw yeah, a very interesting very look unexpected. on your face, but I couldn't it tell whether that meant smell you like didn't it. It like smells it. sour, but it doesn't smell like lemon. It was it was unexpected, and uh, it's I have big decided lemon. if. Uh, hmm. Mm. I think it is. So and I'm unusual. willing to bet. Can I try a little bit more of your uh, <laughs> reserve? <Yes. laughs> uh, I think it's so unusual, Ian, um, and. And we've had a number of sours on the show. We haven't done tons of them. This is a so delicate, though. This like is this way is way more delicate than your typical sour. This yes. is amazingly delicate uh, compared to what you would normally get. This says uh, age thirteen months as well. Okay, Ian, so. I'm real curious to see. I just took another sip of the um, uh, of the reserve. Yeah, I wanted to try it with I'm this. I'm real curious to see what that does to you uh, from a flavor standpoint. Wow. So going from the uh, sour. The sour first and then the whiskey. To the whiskey. 
it brings out so much of the warmer and fruitier flavors that and, you wouldn't okay. even expect. And it also almost mutes the burn, the heat. There's that, Oh, yeah, the there's none. It there's almost none mutes it completely. There's there's very little heat if you've just taken a sip of this uh, of this sour. So when you go backwards, though, mm. when you go from the whiskey back to the uh, beer, it brings out lemon peel, like straight up lemon peel, like mm-hmm. right at the edge of it. Wow, that's these it's, two, it's incredibly how well they these interact. These two actually marry beautifully. <laughs> that's and I don't know if I would have predicted that for a sour. And the end result is, you remember that gum that you used to get at like Academy that would make you just like the Gatorade gum. Yeah, the Gatorade gum that would yeah. make your 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 taste buds go wild. Yeah, wow. that's what's happening in my mouth right now. Wow. So the other signature drink that we have during our tours is called the Colonel Angus. It is lemonade, peppermint, and whiskey. See, I love that your That's drinks are three ingredients. That's so cool. <laughs> I have kids. Yeah. Okay. So my my cocktails are simple. Right. And also, I don't like to be the Here's bartender. Here's the Zima. So my cocktails Here's are Here's the Jolly simple. Rancher. Exactly. <laughs> if, you're, if you're the guy who knows how to make cocktails, you become the guy who knows how to make cocktails at a party. Right. And, and that at means 2 o'clock, you're, you're mixing old fashions yeah. and everybody, whatever. While everybody else is enjoying the right. party, uh, hanging out and talking, but you're, if you're, you're back there going, chugga, 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 chugga. But if, yeah. if, you know, it's cocktails that are apple juice and lemonade, they're like, how many uh, parts of lemonade? You're just, you know, yeah, yeah, two exactly. shots of lemonade, you're fine. These <laughs> two things are fantastic together. Yes, they are. And that I find that totally unexpected. I would not have thought that would be the case. But they are fantastic together. And they both alter the other's flavor uh, substantially. In a, in a fun in way. In a wonderful way. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, that was good. Muted somewhat, but let's remember, it's a barley wine. It's yeah. called Tenebris. T E N. You know how much? Hold You know how much uh, uh, carbonation is in that? Almost zero. Virtually none. Yeah, flat. virtually none. Well, that's why we didn't get the big whoosh right. out of the uh, thing. So let me read this to you, Ian. During medieval times, the shadow of the sun was how European alchemists defined the crow. It was their symbol for the blackness of despair and chaos. Remember the movie from the 90s, The Crow? The Crow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. had a great Nine Inch Brandon Nails Lee. song. You said Shadow of the Sun, though. Yeah. I was thinking Audio Slave. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just remember there was a great Nine Inch Nails song on that soundtrack. <laughs> um, we see The Crow as a life force so powerful, it can actually live off death itself. Okay, some of these brewers are, like, just way out there. Uh, after all, poets, it's not death if you refuse it. <laughs> But here's what I love. This comes from a droid theory. We've had one of their beers uh, on before. Uh-huh. It wasn't a barley wine. But we've had one of their beers on before. And they actually give you recommendations for food, cheese, and cigars. Love that it. That pair. What do they so say? So here's what they say. The food, they say, <laughs> adobo braised pork belly with creamed baby bok choy cognac. Oh, I've got that. I'll just whip that up. Yeah, I was going to say go for that if you if you don't mind. I'll be over at like 5 o'clock. Uh, How many chicken nuggets? For cheese? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if it said Burger King chicken nuggets? <laughs> right. Like, you know, Bologna you know, and so cheese. So yeah. my, my uh, brew club has done um, beer and junk food tasting. Beer and junk food nice. tasting. I love it. Awesome, I love man. it. Uh, for cheese, they recommend Cowgirl Creamery's Red Hawk Cheese. I have not had this, but I'm now completely curious. And for cigar, they recommend the La Gloria Cubana Serie N, 
which That's by the way a pretty is big a cigar pretty mm-hmm. big cigar but this not is, size wise, but flavor wise, that's a big cigar. Yes, yes, that's one of them. And it's actually pretty big size wise too, isn't it? That one of the ones with the larger ring gauge. Uh, no, no, that one's not. They they have some that are the larger ring gauge. The Siri R are the bigger ring right. gauge, as far as right. I know. But the Siri N, I think, is a little bit smaller. So I can tell you from pouring it, the first good news that I can give you, or good news to me at least, is that I did not see any chunks come out in the first pour. Oh, you're uh, so picky. The second <laughs> uh, thing I will tell you though. Sediment's good, baby. There's a certain amount of viscosity going on here. It is definitely going to be a full uh, mouth feel. And this is, by the way, I've also mentioned. And I don't. I apologize that I don't remember the actual retail price, as Bob Barker would say. But this was a fairly expensive bottle. This was not a cheap barley wine. So, um, um, so you can factor that into your thought process. Oh, well, there is no problem tasting this after both the whiskey and the uh, sour. Oh, that's that's interesting because sometimes that's the thing with sours is sometimes they really mess with everything you're going to taste after. Oh, no. This one cuts through. This is a raisin slash date bomb. Well, that's what barley wine's supposed to be. Brown sugar and chocolate. Yeah. Barley wine's supposed to be mocha, raisin, and date, right? More than anything else. Mm. Um. Mm. There might be some subtleties I'm missing. Hold on, let me try some more. <laughs> well, believe it or not, although it's a very different cinnamon from what we've tasted in the whiskey, there is some cinnamon in there as well. Yeah. And maybe like some allspice? I don't know what's Man, this is busy. Some other this tastes sort of like oriental it tastes like spice baking spice. It tastes like brownies with date and like there are so many things going on in this. You know how when you uh take a bite of a good piece of steak? And yes. it just kind of melts over your tongue, mm-hmm. and you get all that flavor, and it keeps going. That's what this is. Wow. Interesting. I've never equated a beverage with a red meat. I paired them. I mean, oh. it's not the flavor of steak. Right. But it's that same type of just drapey flavor. So no, how good, how good would yeah. this go with a big tenderloin chunk? Oh, like, God. Uh, I may stop on the way home and get a La Gloria Cubana Syrian. <laughs> this is this is sounding like the perfect yeah, pairing. I can see you'd how have this would to have really something well. that big though to go right. to go with this. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see how this would go really well with a cigar that has just that drapey type of leathery mm-hmm. flavor. Mm-hmm. To yeah, it. something that almost feels like you're smoking a leather jacket. You yes. know what I mean? <laughs> like, like I just set my jacket on fire. Yeah, yeah. and I'm enjoying the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. So I'm going to try now going back from this uh, to the uh, reserve. I'm curious because the cinnamon is a little more apparent now. All right. The first thing I'm going to tell you is it's an entirely different experience than going from the sour to this. Okay. Like 180 degrees. What it brings out in the whiskey. Hmm. And I'm not like a... I'm not like a tasting snob. I'm not one of these guys that's going to tell you, yeah, this uh, I taste cinnamon from the north of France in the summertime uh, on what's, a sunny day. What's odd about that is the cinnamon in the beer brings out even more cinnamon in the whiskey. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's right. And the cinnamon in, in the beer is so much different. Like it actually, like the sweetness in the beer, I think, covers the sweetness of the whiskey to the point where the whiskey becomes a, a cinnamon bomb at this point. But now, it's buttery too. Now and go you, back. That buttery comes through. Now go back to the beer. Yeah, I'm interested. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
The dark fruits just pop they right They just now. come right to the surface. Come right to like the surface. Like that's like fig that's like fig newtons right there. I was gonna say there's dark fruits in there that I haven't eaten before. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, there, there's there's figs and there's dates and, there's and even raisins almost and there's a little else. bit of like black olive kind of oh that's interesting like a little yeah. bit of that kind of thing going on because there's mm. a little hmm. spice I'm gonna tell you to it that this is actually one of my favorite barley wines that we've had in a very long time. Where would you place it in? That's pretty amazing. On on second taste after going back to the whiskey and then coming back for. A taste of the beer, a second taste of the beer. I'm also pulling out, yes, you can have more. I'm also pulling <laughs> out some chocolate, some sort of cacao, sort of well, cocoa. Well, I, I tasted those flavors. chocolate notes up front earlier, and I thought that's really, really big chocolatey. So, Tenebris. So, if you are a fan Stuff. of this style, you should search this one out, I think. Mm-hmm. This is definitely worth it. The Tenebris Barley Wine, and it is, uh, it's not inexpensive, but it is. Uh, it is quite good. You know, it's a it's a fun thing today that the uh, that the things we tried go well with the whiskey. That's yeah. not always. You're right. It's not the always thing the that case. happens. But yeah, uh, Joe, tell me a little bit about um, what what you see next. You we talked we talked a little bit about your bourbon, which is not one of the things that we tasted today. But but what do you see next in the world of of bourbon and how you and how you guys fit into that? Uh, Bourbon, it seems to me, is, and correct me if I'm wrong, the most explosive whiskey category right now. Is that right? Right now, yeah. 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 Right now, the American bourbons are blowing up, uh, figuratively, not literally, because that would mm-hmm. be bad <laughs> for obvious reasons. Although they will actually catch fire. Yeah. Yes. And, and it has happened. Um, <laughs> but the the next, oh, goodness, you're talking about the next three, four, five years in the industry, you're going to see two different distinct trends you're going to see uh not unlike with the uh craft brewing industry Mm -hmm. where you've got a lot of small guys opening up with new expressions growing up and growing their brand and 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 trying to get a foothold in the industry and a portion of them will be selling out to the larger brands that'll be picking up picking up and picking off the smaller brands and putting money into them to grow their footprint and grow their style and grow their uh, 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 place in the market using their money. Uh, you know, right. the Jim Beam money. There's a lot of Jim Beam money floating yeah. out there. There's a lot of Jack yeah. Daniels money floating out there. There's a lot of money out there with the big Kentucky distillers. So there's a lot of small boutique uh, uh, regional distillers they're going to get snapped up. It's kind of the wild, wild west of distilling right now. And not unlike how it was with broadcast antennas back in sure. the early days of TV and the early Banks. days of radio and yeah, the early yeah. days of uh, uh, beer and even the current days of, of mm-hmm. craft dis- sure. uh, brewing. There's going to be a, a huge like consolidation in the industry. But that's also going to open up a lot of space in the underbrush, so to speak, for guys like us that want to develop and grow into a generational type of distillery and grow our space and grow our voice and grow our brand in a way that allows us to express what we want to do with our grains. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so the the industry over the next, you know, the last five years was kind of an establishment phase. 
the next five years is going to be sort of a sifting phase. Yeah. And then the five years after that, it's going to be a, a bit more of the, the people left standing and mm-hmm. the people who are mm-hmm. turning into, uh, I mean, we know who the craft at, brewers at are who went time, to ABM. You're going to sell so, out or you're right. going to. Yeah. You either sell your brand and grow or you uh, stake out your ground and, and be who you're going to be. Yeah. Uh, and there's a there's a middle ground too where you can stake out your ground and be who you want to be with consolidator type of money, but that's a harder place to be in. Yeah. By the way, I would just mention you talk about selling out to AB InBev. Uh, I actually saw a billboard this week, first time I had seen it, uh, and it was a billboard for uh, Carbach Hopadillo, mm-hmm. and it said number one best selling IPA in Texas. I saw that. It's and and um, I will say we have. We have friends at Carbach. We like those guys. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that Hopadillo is a fine IPA, not my favorite. It's good. I don't think it's anywhere near the best that's being made in Houston right now, much less the rest of the country. But the reason that it's the number one selling IPA in Texas is because of AB InBev using their power to muscle it into places to be home. Oh, I, I can't tell you how because many. Because AB InBev. Right. Takes up 17 doors at your local brewery. Right. And then when they get to the craft brewery, four doors, they take mm-hmm. up two of them with nothing but Carbach. But the reality right. of the thing, though, is that... It, it doesn't mean it's, it's a bad beer. It's not a bad I'm beer. I'm just saying. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It takes more than a good idea and a good beverage. Right. It takes... Uh, uh, the Mass marketing, marketing, the marketing, a dog with spots, onto... a cold activated king. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought we were going somewhere else. It takes the marketing strength to get onto the shelf, right? And that's marketing part strength of it. is a good way to say. And it. we can we can grow our voice. Mm-hmm. We can grow our voice among the people of Texas and among the people of Houston and Dallas and San Antonio. There's a lot of people in Texas. There's a I lot think, of people in Houston. Yes. There's more people in Houston than there is in Louisiana. Right. So when people ask me, when are you going to be in Louisiana? Well, when the people in Dallas are finished being fed, right. I'll go right. to Louisiana. You people got to wait in line because right. y'all right. are. There's more people in Dallas. Y'all got to wait. When are you going to be in the people New Louisiana, Mexico? Y'all got to wait. Louisiana are crazier though. Well, true. Yeah. <laughs> but there's more people in San Antonio than New Mexico, and more so fun New to, Mexico yeah. has to and wait. More in fun line. to hang out with, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, no, but I'll, you know, you know what I love about the world that we've entered into now. And this is due, I think, to the internet and social media and everything. But, but it's 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 really interesting to me. I'd much rather sit and have a conversation with someone who says, "You know what I tried was this whiskey, and it was really amazing." And I don't know if you've ever tried it, but you should try it. If, especially if you like this and this, you should try it. I'm much more taken in, intrigued by that conversation. Than I am by a billboard that tells me you're the number one best selling anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we've become we. It used to be about what was the biggest. Wh- what do you like? Well, you like the the band that's the biggest band in in the world because that's who everybody likes, <laughs> and so they must be good for that reason. But now it's it's actually much cooler to be like this There's is a more band camaraderie my, this in is a the band underdog. My friend turned me on to yeah. that I I tried and I thought they were really good. This is a whiskey there's, that my friend tried and told me it was great and I tried there's, it. And this there's is my more new camaraderie thing. in the underdog. And by the way, that's called being emo. Is that what it's called? <laughs> 
And that, I think, is a perfect place to <laughs> begin wrapping up uh, the show today. Wow, uh, Joe, it has been so much fun having you on the show. It's been a blast being I, here. Thanks, guys. I am so impressed with your whiskey. Thank you. Uh, and and it's, it's really cool because, you know, the more time we spend trying out different you know, different brands I'm and different whiskeys. Blown away by how young the whiskey is and how good it is. Yes. Like Have me back in yes. nine months. We'll talk about the Boomtown. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'm wow. just amazed by that. Well, and uh, by the way, I do want to really do that because okay. I want to. Uh, I want. I want to check it out and try it. Um, just last. Also, question. I want one of those 100 bottles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was. Uh, last question. Realizing the demand that you've had for it, <laughs> how do you address that going forward? Do you? Do you really work on opening things up so you can make more? That's exactly how, what we're How does do. that work? We're going to uh, work really hard at increasing our capacity and increasing the amount that we produce in order to match the market. I mean, that's the goal. You realize at some point you're probably going to have to hire another person. That's the goal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. You know. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to lay it out here. If you need someone with absolutely no experience and no skills – don't put out an ad or anything. I'm right here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> funny you should mention that. The guy who started this company had absolutely no skills. So we, we so like those hope guys. for someone yeah. like me. <laughs> Ian, I'm just looking in the bottom of my cup of the barley wine, and there are some chunks in there. So I told you, sediment's good. Get over yeah. it. <laughs> now you don't need lunch. I just don't want to chew my beer. That's all. You just, you just have to put it in as your calorie um, quota for the day. Um, well, the uh, the special reserve is fantastic. The uh, old Dumble distilling. Uh, and the how do you refer whiskey. to this? The straight, straight whiskey. whiskey. Okay, straight whiskey. Special right. reserve. Yeah, these these are both fantastic, and I'm blown away by how good they are at the price point. Yeah, you, you you talked to Ian about how blown away you were by how good they were for how young they are. I'm blown away by how good they are at that price point. That that I think to me is a. Uh, a recipe for success. So, really, we want to wish you good luck. Thank you. Uh, much. We want to uh, have you back to talk about the uh, Boomtown, mm-hmm. uh, and we want to uh, let everybody know. Thumbs up on this stuff. It's- one one thing I'd like to add: uh, Memorial Day, we're having our anniversary party at the distillery. It is. I'm billing it as the last of its type because we're moving to a new facility afterwards. Oh, cool. Nice. So, Memorial Day at the distillery. Uh, the events out on Facebook. We're going to be doing tickets and. Bands and stuff and barbecue. What's and the best be way? My band. What's the best way for people to find you? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, website. Okay, we're out there. Old Humble Distilling. Yep, in Humble, Texas. Uh, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. We really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having and, me. And we love the whiskey. Uh, Ian, any uh, parting thoughts or last words? As you, I see you got more barley wine. <laughs> this barley wine is. Unbelievable! It's, it's really so good, malt isn't it? forward. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. It's really good. Yes, it's sticky sweet, and I love that. It's raisiny. It's datey. Hire my band. It does so many <laughs> different things that are awesome. His band is Big Dumb Rock, by the way. And it, Duly it's noted. awesome. It's awesome. We're called the Blackout Vipers. I'll yeah. send you a recording. It's, gotcha. it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to uh, wrap this baby up then. Thank you uh, very much for being a part of the show. Thanks to our producer, uh, Adam, on the Wheels of Steel. This has been show number 130, which leaves us wondering, what do we do for 150? We're only 20 episodes away now. Sesquicentennial. Sesquicentennial. Yeah, I don't like the way that sounds. <laughs> that sounds too, uh, I, I don't know. We'll think of something. Okay, you realize that 200 is going to be a crazy party. 200 is going to be nuts. That'll be off the chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what do we do for 150? Is it is it a fake? 
Is it a fake holiday? Was it made up by Hallmark cards? You know, it's possible. It yeah. could have been made up by the jewelry companies just yeah, to make I us buy so. yet another I commemorative so. ring. To go I heard. On. I heard she went to Jared. Oh, I, don't I, don't have a, I don't have another. I don't have any commemorative rings. For we this. want to thank everybody for being a part of the show this week. Thank you. Uh, we're out. It's smoking and toasting. Have a wonderful week, my friends. And uh, as uh, as we like to say, <laughs> ah. cheers. 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 <laughs>